<laughs> oh, Renge, is that you? Gotham City, like any other large metropolis, abounds in girls of all shapes and sizes. Debutantes, nurses, stenographers, and librarians. Gotham City Library, Miss Gordon speaker. Lopez hair removal, this is Jose. Holy transformation. One minute, plain Barbara Gordon, librarian and Commissioner Gordon's daughter. And the next minute, something new has been added. Batgirl, modeled after her idol, Batman. Holy apparition! No, boy wonder, I'm Batgirl. You are no longer alone, Cape Crusader. It took me three years to track down the Jade Gatto, and three more to figure out how to steal it. Funny, it only took me ten minutes to figure out how to snatch it back. No matter how you do it, crime doesn't pay, mm. girls. I'm trying to keep my feet on the ground. I'm getting to like this feeling I've found. I'm getting to love the thought of having you around. And I will never let you go. Good enough for you. Play with your emotions, dismiss the notion, do what you have to do. Cause people don't take chances with their hearts. Since I met you, I am past the hardest part. So remember one thing I will never let you down. Get into 
Salwete. I am your host, Stella, and this is Backroll to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon Podcast, Episode 95, The Shipper Special, Number 4, for February MMXV. Backroll to Oracle is brought to you by MileHighComics.com, your new and collectible comic book store. Mile High Comics has an inventory of over 5 million comics from the gold, silver, bronze, and modern age, and over 100,000 trade paperbacks. If you're not into the vintage stock, Mile High Comics has a subscription service called the New Issue Comics Express, offering a discounted price for comics ready to hit the shelves. Examples of the prices you may encounter are April's Convergence, Nightwing slash Oracle number one, and Convergence... Batgirl number one, both for $3.59, so a bit of a price hike there for the Convergence. <laughs> so, if you're looking for vintage back issues or a great modern subscription service, be sure to check out MileHighComics.com. Batgirl to Oracle is also brought to you by TweakedAudio.com, high-performance noise-reducing earbuds. Purchasers who use the code TBUSAVES get 33% off their whole order and free worldwide shipping. TweakedAudio.com, plug in. Turn up the volume and give us a try. Backroll the Oracle is also a proud member of the Batman Universe Family of Podcasts. Hashtag TVU Family. Only those with excellent social standing and those from filthy rich families are lucky enough to spend their time here at the elite private school Oran Academy. The Oran Host Club is where the school's handsomest boys, with too much time on their hands, entertain young ladies who also have way too much time on their hands. Think of it as Auron Academy's elegant playground for the super rich and beautiful. Remember, you're welcome to visit us in Music Room 3 whenever you'd like to. The Auron House Club will be waiting for you. And we want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We'll see you Donovan, why are you such? You're you're a fool. What has happened? Okay. Wait, what? Yeah, you know what you've done. So, listeners, you have wandered in at a very awkward time. Donovan and I were looking for some romantic quality time. The only room available was music room number three. We wander in. Donovan was getting a little handsy. (laughs) <laughs> I, what to do. I was backing away from his handsy nature and I bumped into an expensive vase and here we are looking over the remains of this uh, this vase that we have 8 million yen yeah it's a little too much we're not really sure what's about to happen and a bunch of pretty boys are descending on us right now <laughs> so it seems like this could potentially be our last shipper special if we make it out of this alive. I guess we'll see. Okay, Donovan, super weird. For, well, first of all, Donovan, thank you for coming back, you know, four years. How oh, it's, only prop- it's only proper that, you know, daddy comes into his, his daughter's podcast once again. <laughs> yes. How, how does it feel to be back on to do a shipper special? The last one we did was Mad Love. <laughs> that was crazy. I remember, I remember you and I screaming uh, <laughs> in our reenactment. Uh, it's funny because um, in some ways this feels like a great privilege, and in other ways this feels like some sort of wacky purgatory because <laughs> the things that we, we – we, uh, it's not that they, they vary in quality, but they vary in style. Mm-hmm. So my brain doesn't know how to react to that. Yeah. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's been a fun – 
tradition each year that you and I, you know, you know, hold hands in wonderful shipping romance and yes. talk about the things that we like that yes. have zero to do with Barbara Gordon. As well. <laughs> I know. It's funny. Yeah, yeah. We'll try to get back. Yeah, I don't think we have touched her at all with this, so we'll have to do something. I was thinking about what are we going to do next because it's got to be DC related because it's sort of an off-on situation where we're off, we're very far away and far removed from DC comics and then we're touching on DC so we gotta do something I was actually, I was actually wondering if like next year we'd be doing Kill a Kill for no reason um that's funny because I also was thinking about Kill a Kill <laughs> sweet but I was thinking to myself I got to find out who killed my dad no I was actually thinking to myself we've gotta take a break so maybe Young Justice oh okay I thought maybe that could be a good one, but we'll we'll think about this. But Don, we're here in this 2015, so we can't get too far ahead of us. Can you tell listeners what we're going to be covering? It's always you. I always ask you to tell them what we're covering. I don't know why it's me. You made me watch the show. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We <laughs> here on Background Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast, for our shipper special extraordinary, uh, extraordinary recording. We are going to be discussing the. 2006 anime adaptation of the uh, the manga that ran between 2002 to 2010. I did my research. Or on a host high school club. is uh, a wacky, insane, bizarre uh, harem, reverse harem comedy about uh, one woman and six guys and the hilarious hijinks that ensue. And uh, that's basically the, uh, the pre-synopsis for that because I really want to hear you explain this. <laughs> you want to hear me explain it? <laughs> yeah. So this show, you basically can't, take you you take maybe 10 percent of the show seriously and uh i I think there's a little bit of seriousness in each of the episodes and it gets more i think as you go on as it's nearing its end because you see you don't think so because (laughs) you start to see like how the the other people were brought into it and then like what their lives are outside of the host club like the twins and what they were like and then you see kuya and I think those were serious moments. Mm, I, 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 yeah, I suppose. <laughs> okay, well, I, I guess we'll be debating episode. about it. 
So basically what happens, this Music Room 3 is actually a big setting because that's in fact where their club meets. There are normal clubs that you could belong to at Oran, like the newspaper club. But that that's, they, no, these kids don't like that sort of thing. So basically this, yeah, this club is meant to be, and I really don't know how the financing happens. I don't know if the girls have to pay. I'm not sure. I think we should discuss that later because. We'll talk about that, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of like expensive stuff going on and they have to get money somehow. So basically it's a group of attractive young men. And during different times of the day, I assume lunch, tea time, after school, uh, girls will come into Music Room 3 and these boys will be hosts to them. So basically they'll, they'll sit and, and chat with them or like uh, Tamaki or Tamaki, they will fawn over, over the girls and just make them really happy. And <laughs> you hear, you know, at the end of that, um, the second episode is really the goal of it is to, to make girls happy. It's a uh, it's a uh, handsome rich boys with too much time on their hands entertaining exactly. young women who also have too much time. Who also have too much time. Exactly. So and an elegant per- playground for the super rich basically. So our main character Haruhi wanders into this because she's on scholarship. She's not rich at all and I think that's a big theme that plays throughout just the the divide between uh, the rich and then her placement there and her status. So she wanders in for a place to study. It seems really quiet. And uh, then she just gets surprised by the different people, and they're a little too uh, forceful with her. They're trying to be hosts, and she knocks over this face that costs too much money, and uh, then she's indebted to the club, so she has to become a host. However, the catch is no one right at the beginning realizes that it's a girl because uh, at the beginning of the year some gum got stuck in her hair and she cut off her hair so she looks like she could be a boy and she's not very well kept with her she doesn't even have a uniform in the beginning so she looks like she could be a boy so they're like hey you're going to be our host and as that first episode goes along each of the members slowly but surely realize that she's uh, a girl some of them like right away Tamaki takes a very long time he's the last person to realize so then it's her basically playing dress up and she gets used to the whole thing and, and then tamaki who's this prince and this leader we'll, we'll probably talk about those different character roles he's protective over her he calls her his daughter he envisions her in these playful outfits and things like that and uh, just weird shenanigans ensue which um, probably say that yeah. uh that this, uh, as as with everything in the show, this this is this is a vague uh, illusion. I say illusion. This is actually a very direct riff on real life host clubs in Japan, mm-hmm. which we don't have in America here because those are basically like uh, setups where men, you know, be le- legitimately do entertain women. Although the funny thing is that's actually a lot more sleazy. Yeah, <laughs> something that you would find like in a red light district. So that's kind of like one of the jokes in this show. Yeah. Uh, so this is, you know, it's a little more innocent. Uh, I think the, w- yeah, we'll get into what the different characters are like later on. Yeah, I think that overall gets at it. So it's basically following Haruhi along, and then along the way you start to get to know the uh, the, the members of the host club, and you always see them through, I, I think, using her as a lens and uh, there are just fun and weird shenanigans. But there's always, like, there's always a serious point in the series and something that, you know, must be done. Or Tamaki says, this is our goal. This is what we must do. And, of course, there are crazy things 
that happen, like girls turning into weird octopuses, octopi. <laughs> so before we get started, I think on, you know, talking about Oran and, and the characters and stuff, I want to ask about your history with this. Oh, you don't know? Well, I do, but <laughs> my friends, the listeners, don't know. What What's your history of this show, and uh, what did you think of it when you first saw it? And then you rewatched it recently, which we both did. Did that change at all your your initial perceptions of it? <laughs> okay. Why are you laughing? <laughs> okay. So two years ago, Stella said, "You know what? I'm actually going to watch Robotech, uh, the show that you said that you liked." I said, yeah. I do like it. And then you know the the results of that are in a, our 2013 Shipper Spotlight on Batgirl Oracle. Yeah. But the flip side is that, like, I think uh, somehow she cajoled me, okay, now that i watched one of your favorites, you must watch one of my favorites. I was like, all right, fair enough. Show me what you got. And she says, have you ever seen, heard of Oran High School? <laughs> and I was like, I honestly have never heard of that show. So I was like, okay, let's see if I can find it. I think, I don't know if you told me it's on Netflix, but it was on Netflix. So I, I'll never forget this. I sat down. <laughs> I started the episode. And... Oh, I, yeah, I, I have no image. I have no... I, I feel that I know a lot of anime, even I don't watch the series, but I had no knowledge of the show whatsoever, so I just jump in, and it starts with, like, the, the baseline, like, like dun, 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 with all the characters' faces just kind of shooting into, this, into the intro sequence. And then I hear, like, you know, the song start off with the lyrics, Discus, fall in love! And I'm kind of yep. like, just stop. And I realize, what have I done? So I text Stella and say, okay, I'm, I'm like seconds into the show and they're just yelling at me to kiss someone and fall in love. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. And all she could do was just laugh. So this is, needless to say, I run a Dragon Ball Z podcast where it's full of manly men in ripped uh, clothing fighting each other until they die. Uh, oh my gosh. This is a bit outside of my comfort zone. Yeah. In fact, I don't think I've ever seen a show... <laughs> this is a this is this is a very 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 um, okay. <laughs> well, this is interesting. I, I I actually really like this show. I really do. It it is. I am not the demographic for it, but I think this is one of those shows that like kind of transcends general demographics because it's a lot of it is really really kind of like a take on your basic. A lot of it's kind of like Japanese culture based, but in terms of like like anime fandom. And fandom towards, you know, like, you know, it's like sort of a reverse harem, which is like, you know, several people liking one person of a different gender. But the, but the catch is like, you know, the main character, Haruhi, is a, is a very androgynous girl where mm-hmm. the majority of the characters that aren't the main characters uh, confuse her for a, a guy. And her job is to entertain these girls and the hijinks that ensue. Yep. And, that's, and not only that, but like a lot of the, a lot of the characters kind of just like basically whore themselves out for these for these girls in very uh, wacky ways. To the point where this show, and I don't mean to say this like offensively. This isn't me. You know, people who are offensive tend to preface that. But I, I generally mean this as a as a factual term. That this is by far and away the queerest show I have ever watched because there's, they play a lot with like this whole fandom of. You know, romance and like 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 guy on guy romance and girl on girl romance, and it's very very breezy and dealing with a lot of like like really like fictionalized anime romance tropes and sexual fluidity and cross dress. There's a ton of cross dressing, and it's it it's really really funny because it just goes nuts on all of these kinds of things. So I was I, I watched this. Um, it's twenty six episodes. I don't believe there's any other anime material as of now. Because it ended a few years ago, and um, I just found myself—I I found myself 
being infected with uh, the kind of fun the show was having. So when Sela uh, said we should do this for a Shipper Spotlight, it had been a couple of years, so I was like, um, okay, I suppose I can watch this again. But is, it, it had been at least over a year since I had seen it. So I was like, all right, I might as well start it. I kind of had, you know, middling expectations. I, don't, I didn't remember it very well. Uh-huh. Uh, well, I remembered it, but like I didn't remember like each and every detail very well. And then so I watched, I, I rewatched the first episode, and I was like, "Oh, I remember this being really, really funny." To the point where like I, I just found myself. I think I found myself a lot, a lot funnier than I, I did last time, and I found it funny the first time too. But I was like just howling with laughter. That part of that might be because uh, the second time I watched the English dub, or the first time I watched the original Japanese version with subtitles, and um, I ended up really liking it. I thought I wouldn't at first because I thought that. Uh, Caitlin Glass, who voices Haruhi, initially sounded a lot meaner than the character initially does, but I kind of got over that. And I think that like the the dub was actually very very good. Uh, it's dubbed by Funimation, who also dubs Dragon Ball Z. But um, uh, this is very fun, very uh, very lighthearted, very uh, it's a very infectious, engaging, just like you know, likable show with very likable characters and um, very insane premises. <laughs> um, so I, I look forward to talking about this, and uh, I've also. Uh, boned up a lot about the history of the manga and the production of the anime itself. So, uh, yeah, I've been looking forward to doing this for a while now. Yeah. So this is probably the second anime series that I ever watched. The first one was recommended uh, to me by a friend in architecture school called XXXholic. Where you would, yeah, you would insert whatever, so like alcoholic or, you know, whatever holic there is. Uh, and I watched that. And this one, I actually found it accidentally. Would you believe that I was on the YouTube looking up music and I found a uh, shipper video of it? So I was really more looking for this particular song because I think I heard a snippet of it or I was wondering. And uh, it was Never Let You Down by Verve Pipe, which I, you know, I used it for the intro music. And so I'm looking up at YouTube and they have a shipper video with this music. And uh, I was intrigued by what this was. And so looked it up. And at the time it was on Hulu. And uh, this was in 2007. So I ended up watching this, and I was I was just quickly taken uh, for for a number of reasons. There, which I want to talk about later, but just like their use of of symbolism and metaphors, and being so outright, like right at the beginning, there is an arrow constantly blinking yep. at the vase <laughs> so you know something's going to happen but it's blinking two minutes before anything happens and then just banana peels We're, we'll definitely talk about that but but it, it's just so crazy and you know the first time i watched it i was a little like what's going on with this twin cest business <laughs> um i i didn't and then when you first meet the father and the father you know is a is a a transvestite, you and you know, works at a tranny bar. Uh, just like, I mean, you're so shocked at what this stuff is, but then you just roll with it, and things. Just, they're just crazy stuff. I, I, I guess you know that's what makes anime anime like some of the best ones is just the expressions and going crazy with emotions like being super low and regular and calm, and then screaming or crazy stuff and. Oh, I, I don't know. I just got such a kick out of it, and I and I really loved it. And I I don't know if I'm always, you know, going to be a purist. I watched XXXHolic English, so that's the only thing I know. But I watched this one in Japanese with the uh, with the subtitles, and I had tried an episode with the English, but I just did not take to it. I just really like uh, the Japanese, and I think you know the. 
Kill a Kill I watched with the Japanese and I'm watching oh, yes. the regular I'm watching that so I think perhaps I, I enjoy watching Japanese with, with English subtitles more however the caveat there is that with this show especially, Kill a Kill, a lot of stuff happens there too with their stuff in the background. But this one, some things go super fast. And then also they have like little boxes that all appear at the bottom and someone else is talking. So there's just a lot going on that sometimes you have to pause or rewind to catch another part of the screen that you miss. So that's the only caveat. But, I mean, first time I watched it, I, I loved it. I thought it was super crazy. I was laughing. And just watching it again, I, I enjoyed it. And I, I think, uh, I don't know if I pick up up on things differently but I certainly was attuned to more details just because I knew the overall plot and everything so I was looking for for other things but I I do you know I recommend it even though it's crazy so it may not be to everyone's taste but I think you know if Donovan likes it I think which isn't an insult to you but I think you're more like mainstream kind of thing and you know like you want to see like action because you're a man's man you know you're Dragon Ball and everything so So this is yeah you know a little out of your wheelhouse so I think if you liked it that other people would potentially like it too well I remember uh, when I was on the Spider-Man Crawl Space we did recommendations I recommended this because this was and I said this is so far (laughs) outside of what I've ever seen you know I watched Sailor Moon when I was a kid. I've watched like uh, you know shows that just aren't geared to me, you know, just based off, off like a binary gender thing. But this was like like this one really kind of like pushed the boundaries of what I look for in entertainment. And I mean, it's just generally funny. I mean, it's, it doesn't really cater itself towards men or women. Really, it's it's, mm-hmm. it's just kind of a neutral thing because it lambasts them both. <laughs> I just I, I don't know if your listeners who are comic fans will automatically just go out to see this but i would recommend because whether you're an anime fan or not it's so the comedy is so broad that Mm -hmm. it it, it is very successful and and, uh, you laugh yeah i agree and you did mention cross-dressing i just want to also make clear that it's more like cosplaying wouldn't you say because i mean the host yeah yeah, when uh, when they're hosting there's like every day there's a different theme i remember there was like a police theme they had like a uh, traditional Japanese, there's like a beach theme, all, all sorts of things. So they may be like in a in, in a costume that represents I don't know another gender, but it's because it's you know more of a cosplaying than uh, than cross dress. Well, I just wanted to explain well, no, no, that no, there no, is the one definite cross dresser in there. The, more, the, more, the majority of it is uh, cosplaying for like yeah no reason, but like there there's don't, make no mistake there is cross dressing in this show. Yeah. <laughs> You know, this time around, whenever a Japanese word occurred in the English translation, I did try to look it up, but just to get a sense of, you know, what it actually meant in that culture. There's some that, like, uh, if you have any... Because I, I, I'm, I'm kind of familiar with some of these things, like like Senpai and Kohaku yeah. and stuff like that. So if you if you had any questions on them, I could try to answer them for you. Oh, yeah. Well, now I don't remember. But, you know, as we were going... So, like, one I, I remember... Well, Moe is one thing, but um, yeah. which I'm sure we'll talk about if we talk about Renge. With Casanoda, when he pops up and they teach him the word ma, and he said, like, he will never use, I will never use the word ma. And then he sees Haruhi dressing and he goes, ma, ma, ma. And I wondered, you know, what does this ma word mean? So something like that I would, uh, I would look up and, and check out. I did want to go through the characters, talk about the characters a little bit. Of course. Before we do it. So, and the roles in the club. And uh, the characters are parodies of sojo manga or manga mm-hmm. characters sojo is a 
in terms of like 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 manga uh, styles, like genres. Okay, like let's say like Dragon Ball Z is, for instance, like a young boys uh, manga. You know, it's an action show directed at adolescents. That's shonen. Shoujo is like the opposite of that, where it's like directed at young girls, and it typically mm-hmm. involves romance and harem and comedy. And this is sort of like uh, it's parody of it on that yeah. on that you know take a shot every time you say dragon ball z because it's popped up a long time it's like, popped so, up so, several so, times now it's, it's, it's relevant I'm not is there like subliminal messaging for people to my listeners to also listen to uh, the next dimension well if you want to listen to the dragon ball z and i think you do you can always find my shot <laughs> i give you the time at the end yeah <laughs> uh yeah it, and it reminds so i think sojo also reminds me of just the way the dc comics used to do romance comics yes as as well which since uh donovan did his shameless plug you should also check out uh tom panarese and i talk about a random romantic comic i forget so, which yeah Okay, here we go. So let's uh, let's start off big, Tamaki. So his type, because there are different types, and I think it's repeated maybe twice throughout the series, twice or three times. He is the princely type. How would you, in, you know, in terms of the the shojo manga? So how would you describe uh, this guy? Well, like there's the kind of like role, the I don't want to say facade, but like kind of the role he plays in the host club, and then like his actual personality. Uh, he kind of like, kind of really bigs up that whole like you know g- addressing the girls as princesses and being yeah. very princely, being very assertive and being a, like a gentleman, you know, like like, like a real a gentleman's gentleman, kind of like you know very well mannered, well groomed, uh, cultured kind of pretty boy who uses his culture to impress girls and be, kind of like you know. Uh, basically, play play up to their fantasy. All the all the guys do that, but basically play up to a, the specific fantasy of the prince charming who will take you away. And I guess technically, I'm not sure if he's not like, technically a prince, but he is an heir of a large company. Yeah, and there's a very interesting familial background. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the role he plays. Do you want to get into like the character personality himself? Yeah. Okay, well, <laughs> he kind of reminds me of Zach Joyner. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> that, like, <laughs> Explain yourself. Well, I mean, that's not exactly a negative thing. In that, like, uh, I find both. Do you have to bleep Tom- out his name? No, you don't. It's, it's not. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> he reminds you, please. No, no, no. It's not like I said Bertoni, but like he reminds me of. All- <laughs> He reminds me of Bertoni. <laughs> he reminds me of Zach Joyner in that Zach, who does Spidey-Dude.com, and has you know has all these kind of like big plans and kind of has these big grand schemes. Uh, and it, you know, it's, it's been a public knowledge in the podcasting world. It kind of falls on his face a bit. Whereas Tamaki, as cultured and intelligent and you know cunning as he actually is, he's very, very like he gets cut down a lot. He gets kind of like yeah. you know the rug pulled under him a lot. And he, when he's sent into a panic, he doesn't really know what to do, and he's kind of like facile and silly in that way and you know there's sometimes where he's just flat out kind of dumb <laughs> he's not a dumb person but he's more of like an emotional type and not really he's not nearly as insightful as Kilia or any of the other uh, uh, host club members as evidenced by the very first episode and um, as I was finishing the series I kind of found a lot of myself in him if I'm being honest because he's very kind of like uh, uh, lackadaisical and laissez-faire with some things while people sort of take other people sort of like take things a bit more seriously and he kind of like is a bit more emotional than other people like how he uh, in the last episode how he assumes that the host members lives are worse because of hit the host club where they all he can't see they all enjoy being in the host club so um, he's kind of like he's, I think he's a bit more on the emotionally 
vulnerable and uh, not as developed side, but he's, he's still a very uh, uh, talented individual. And um, when it comes to the host club itself, he, he's certainly the leader of the pack. He's kind of, a, he's basically the leader of the whole group. Yeah. I would say that he's naively optimistic as well. Um, just he, he looks certainly to the bright side of everything and he doesn't, yeah, recognize everything that's going around him. He, his light bulb was the last to go off with the, um, only when he saw her in like, without, without her shirt too. I know. So that was like basically the last possible moment you could actually figure everything out. He's also the one that I think has the most dramatic emotions that he'll be screaming, he'll be, crying and daydreaming about him and Haruhi or Haruhi in some dress. He'll be yelling and then there are so many moments where something has happened like Haruhi may have unintentionally insulted him or like said something like this host club is stupid. And then like the animation is like him. He's completely white. He's hunched up in a corner. Throwing mushrooms. I know the mushrooms. There's one with Casanoda, this this guy that uh, Haruhi entertains at one point who actually finds out that she's a girl and there's just this long like a 30 second sequence of him blasting off to space and then he keeps going uh, and is like floating down and like he's hitting planets and like destroying it's so bizarre i i uh, i don't know but yes and uh I, he he has the greatest heart i think of everyone because um there are other people that kind of have a darker side to them unintentionally or intentionally and i think he always has uh i feel like he's the nicest one of the group and his backstory is so each you agree yeah yeah his backstory i guess the more serious part of him is that his father at one point on business he was already married went over to france uh, paris on business and ended up having an affair so he is the product of that a lot of stuff happens, but he ends up coming to Japan, but his grandmother loathes him, like hates him. And there's a plot later on uh, at the end of this uh, where he could potentially see his mother again because she says, you know, we'll take him over to Japan, but you can never see your mother again. So it's very tragic and it's hard for him because he tries to fit in with his grandmother, but she just hates him. So it's it's difficult there. We should also, before we move on to anybody else, really mention that um, the the major thing with him is that, like, once he learns that Haruhi and Josh and his little Haruhi is a woman, he, like, immediately just, like, has a crush on her. I'm not sure if yeah. that's, like, develops, but <laughs> to, to the point where, like, um, he's, like, just mad jealous and, like, yeah. as you say, just kind of is weirded out whenever that, that seems to be thwarted yeah. in any way. Yeah, but he doesn't realize it. I mean, it's it's weird because all of the things, all of his imaginings, are you as an audience member, you clearly know he likes her. But it takes until, like, episode 23 or so for him to, well, really with Casanova, to realize, like, why do I have these strange thinkings? Why do I, even though I consider myself her father, dream of, you know, protecting her lips and all those things? So he, like, doesn't deep down realize what's going on, which is weird. So I think that's, like, his, his <laughs> Yeah. Okay, let's go to Kuya. And he is known as the cool type. How would you describe this guy? He's kind of like, the, like, like the, the, I think the easiest thing to say was he's the brains of the operation. Uh-huh. I'm looking at him right now. <laughs> he, he's kind of, he's probably like, like the, the creepiest looking if you're being like uh, stark with it. He dark hair and glasses. He uh, is a business manager who handles all of the host club's finances and says, that, well, this will cost us much money and we can make this much money off of these silly girls and um, kind of puts things together. His family, I'm trying to remember, his family like has 
ownership of the po- the local police, which which comes in handy every now and then. And he typically is one where like uh, he he's one of the coolest ones. He doesn't really get involved in all this. Well, he does, but like you don't see a lot of his emotions and stuff. There every now and then we do get insight in his own personal background about how he's the third son of a, a large conglomerate. And in the last episode, we see that his father really is disappointed in how he chooses to spend his time, which is very interesting. He's kind of a dark horse in that, like, a lot of the characters, the rest of the host club are all kind of silly. I think he's the least silly, even though, you know, he evolves himself. Like, he'll, like, when they're against the Zuka club, he'll, like, he'll ingest himself up as a woman and things. But he doesn't, like, let himself be humbled too many times. And he's very much, um, he's the one that you don't know how he's thinking the most. Although we do get some background information with him and back, background episodes with him. He's probably the coolest cucumber in the vegetable patch, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah I would agree with that, and he's probably yeah I didn't talk about Tamaki in uh, in the sense of him being a host. I think he's also the one member who fawns over the girls the most, and he forts with them though he never like physically like engages them, which is good. He, he certainly comes on. In that, oh so. yeah, yeah, but Kuya doesn't really play host at all. He's very much the manager and the business side of all that, and he's. If if Tamaki has the crazy thinking, he's the one that sort of breaks it down to concretes and and he knows everyone's business because he has you know like a phone relationship with Haruhi's father, uh, <laughs> which he learned later. He worries me sometimes because in the the sand, the sea, in the host club, if that's what it's called, a bit of a creeper moment when he like throws Haruhi down on the bed. And is like on top of her. Do you remember that? We'll get, we'll get into that. We we certainly will. Uh, so there there are some weird moments because you feel like he has no interest in anyone, but then there's something like that, and uh, I just thought, oh gosh, you know, is he this like actually a, a bad character, or you know, is that does he actually like Haruhi, but like super duper subtle, and you don't realize it. He yeah, he's also the one. I think this is the one where we can talk about financing. And uh, if we have any thoughts about that, because everything the host club, like, it's super expensive. And even that one episode where Honey Senpai has the toothache and they cut off sweets, Kuya is super excited because that cut down the bills from that. So they're dishing out, like, so sweets and tea every day that they're having hosting. They take some, some girls out sometimes to, like, the beach or other places. So lots of expenses. So my question is, besides the, you know, selling photographs and, like, illegally uh, obtained <laughs> photo books and, and all sorts of things, Haruhi is the most upset about that, selling them, which they're, they're big hits, what, where is this money coming from? Do you think they charge the girls to come in? Um, well, well, he, he explicitly says, like, you know, when, when Haruhi is defending the fact that like, like, they don't make money to the Zuko Club, he says, well, actually, we kind of do. We, do met, we, we net a small profit by selling merchandise of, like, glossy, you know, photographs <laughs> of them yeah. and her pencil. <laughs> Mon- money is being made as to what money I don't know because money is falling in the show. If you if you do not like rich people, you really shouldn't watch the show. <laughs> or you might should you might watch it because uh Haruhi also has great disdain of for course. them. I think it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, like with Bruce Wayne or Tony Stark, they're rich so they can buy whatever the plot needs them to, but they buy so many things that the plot doesn't need them to, so you're just kinda like like staring on like, Oh my goodness, these people are like like, like like horrifically rich uh, to the point where it it is sickening but um yeah. 
the fact that he manages the finances that means that there is some sort of limit to them. And, and that gets touched on the final two episodes. That it does. And he's also, he's the third son. And the main, the main empire is, you know, the hospital, like the medical supplies empire. And there's just no chance, you know, the running theme is that there's no chance for him to succeed his father, basically. And his brothers have already been, have attained high academic status. So, you know, he's got to do something to outshine. So that's, you know, him trying to do something different, which uh, could backfire or it could help him out. Perhaps we'll talk about that in the end. Uh, what about uh, <laughs> Hikaru and Karu? Uh, they are the little devils or mischievous type. Uh, after, after rewatching the series, they might be my favorite characters. Oh, okay. Maybe because uh, yeah, Hikaru and Karu Hitachin, yeah. uh, they're these two JoJo headed twins who, in the host club, they really play up this um, twin sets vibe. Where, like, and this is pure anime, where if you read any like Yaoi manga, I don't know if this is the first time Yaoi's been mentioned on Background Oracle, yeah. Which, and the last, probably. <laughs> well, I mean, like, they, they kind of play... Like, the, their gimmick for the host club, for uh, t- in terms of wooing the girls, is to play up this whole, like, you know, boys love thing with their... With, to each other, because they're brothers. It's like, you know, Karu will be like, oh, Hikaru, you're embarrassing me. It's like, oh, you're so cute when I'm embarrassed. <laughs> it's that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's actually very realistic. I mean, my brother and I, you know, Denmark, when you were over here, every time I, like, skin my knee he would always like, rush to my side and put his face close to mine and there were like fog everywhere no okay i mean it was hard to be around that my like emotions <laughs> just got out of control i know your squealing of, of glee was just I so tur- i practically turned into an octopus anyway yeah they, so, they, so they kind of hold themselves out that way yeah. but like secretly not really so secretly they're really kind of like these two little they're the most kind of like uh, when I say outgoing, they have like the ideas to do stuff, and they're most reactionary. Like if somebody tries to like, if someone figures out uh, Hari, he's real gender, they're quick to like kind of beat them up. Yep. Or if if you know they have an idea, they'll probably like you know, oh boss, let's do this. Yeah. Or kind of like very eager henchmen basically because mm-hmm. they refer to Tamaki's boss, and um, they tend to really are the most outgoing and. They're legitimately mischievous. They kind of like do things that are uh, kind of troublesome and to the point where laws may be broken. But that's kind of where the, the twins' similarities to each other's reach its end because Hikaru is the more aggressive and I would say emotionally immature out of the two. Uh, because the, the the backstory is that like as twins, they didn't have a lot of friends until they got to high school and yeah. they met Tamaki. And after that, their, their social skills are different because Hikaru is a bit less, he's a bit more standoffish, and Karu is a bit more friendly and a bit easier to get along with. I'm not going to mention their relationship with Haruhi as of yet because that kind of plays into my list. Yeah. But um, th- their relationship is very interesting, both in the anime and in the manga, as I, as I later found out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like them as well. I, I think the I think I feel like they're the character that takes a little bit warming to just because it is so out there and it's so in your face, you know, the first time they're like, Oh my gosh, what's going on? But, you know, as you learn their backstory, it's I feel like it's 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 tragic in a way, just because they were so insular before they came upon Tamaki and 
in a way, they did it to themselves. But they also, I mean, they constantly play this game, you know, can you guess who is Hikaru and who is uh, Karu game? And uh, you think it's because they're being standoffish, but really they just want one person to be able to tell them apart. And I do think that that is the, the beautiful thing that is between them and Haruhi because Haruhi knows. Like, she is clear, she is easily able to do that. It's interesting, like, her reasons when she, when she says which one is which, but they're always shocked when it happens. Yes, yes. And I think it's interesting that they have twin maids, too. Oh, yeah, for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, what about Honey? And he is the boy Lolita type. <laughs> yeah, he is, isn't he? Which is funny because, like, like this guy, uh, Honey uh, Mitsukuni, yeah. Honey uh, is like he's one of the older characters because he's like a third year high school student, which means he's like seventeen or eighteen. Yep. But he's like this like two foot tall, like like, like kindergarten looking kid who carries like a stuffed animal with him all the time. Who's a Chan? And <laughs> the little bunny. Like, 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 you take one look at this character and you have no idea how old he is yeah. or what he can do with his martial arts skills. Um, so he's basically like a little, a, little, a boy Lodita is basically like the idea that of putting forth a little, a cute little kid for the love of fans. Yeah. And he kind of plays up how cute he is and how much he likes to eat sweets and, you know, how like just, he basically pretends to be like a three to five year old when he's not. And that kind of cuteness is kind of, you know, exploited to the, to the host's uh, benefits and for the for the girls kind of fawn over, oh, he's so cute, which is I guess why he goes by the name Honey. Yeah. And um, he is he's pretty much that like seventy five percent of the series is pretty much him doing that whole cute kid shtick, until like you know he's into something that that he takes seriously or he's upset. Then he gets his, his his more of a darker personality. Yeah, never wake him up from a nap. Never wake him up. Never hide his sweets, or because he gets ins- turns insane. Oh uh, never threaten his friends because he will. Oh, yeah, um, he's actually a very talented uh, fighter. Yep. I think that's that's as much as I can say with him because he he doesn't. I think of all the characters, he doesn't get too much. Him, he and Mori don't get too deeper than uh, that. Besides, like that kind of face from the the host club. What what do you have to say about yeah, him? Yeah, I uh, and it's interesting because he really has no interest in the ladies because re- the only thing you see him doing when he's entertaining guests is eating cake and drinking tea. <laughs> so he's really, he's a host to sweets. And the girl is just like, they'll, you know, oh, honey, what's your favorite cake? And he's like, all of them. And they're like, oh, it's so cute. <laughs> oh, so, so yeah, and I remember when, uh, when the little bunny got tea, like tea was spilt on his face. And then he wakes up. It's responsible says, for this. Happened? Yes. And then they come up with the, uh, who, wasn't it Maury that said he just wanted some tea? And then, oh, okay. yeah, he's totally accepting of it. But yeah, his, uh, I like his backstory that he was actually really trying to uh, be temperate, I think, in all things. And uh, just, uh, he stay away from sweets and, and things like, like, I think this was the one with his uh, his younger brother that episode, uh, and he right. was just a great leader with the with the people and everything. So he also is the heir to an empire, but it's just like this military or I guess martial arts empire and everything. So yeah, he I mean he's the he's the cute character, and whenever he pops up, animated there are like these flying little flower thingies that always well, rotate about him. <laughs> so he's the only one that gets little special effects around him whenever he's popped up. 
think, though, like you and I talked about this uh, a couple of days ago, that there's a live action that adaptation of Pokemon. Yep. And I can't imagine how they adapt this character because he looks like a little three year old. Yeah. I don't know. It'd be interesting. I, I think we should explore like an after hours BTO commentary. <laughs> Make it so. <laughs> Maury. Yeah, he's a he's a character with a lot of things to say. Yeah, he's a strong silent type. <laughs> he's just yeah, he plays on the whole like like strong silent kind of archetype character, which I uh, as evidenced by this show, yep. girls always love. Oh, um he's probably the the one with the most he probably ties with Kura as like like one of the, one of the most dignity intact uh-huh. because he says so less. Um, he's also uh, a good fighter and a good swordsman, but there's really not much to him besides he's 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 uh, Honey's cousin, right? Yeah, he's Honey's cousin, so like he kind of c- carries Honey around on his shoulders like an appendage, and um, acts as his protector, or in some or in some certain uh, movies his uh, henchman. <laughs> He's a very stoic character who he has by far and away the least amount of dialogue in the series. That's true. There's really uh, it's funny because like he they even explicitly bring it up in this episode. Oh, are you upset because you've not had any episodes? Because they, they, yep. he's one he's the one character that they really don't investigate too much into, and because he really is kind of that, that strong, silent type. I guess played completely straight. Uh, what you see is what you get, and um, I would be surprised if he's anybody's favorite character. But uh, he you know he serves a purpose, which is entertaining. You know what? As I was watching it the second time, I was starting to think that he might be my favorite host club member. Oh, you're kidding me. Besides uh, Tamaki. Yeah, I don't know. I find him... I find him more attractive than the others. If I had to, if I had to be like a Moe, Moe, giving you some of that girl side of me, but I don't know. I find him. I guess some people could find him boring, but I do love his relationship with Honey and how concerned he gets. You know, when Honey gets washed away in that random typhoon that happens in the <laughs> park, and I also like when he takes on this apprentice, Casanoda, and Casanoda's saying, and everyone's, like, critiquing Maury and saying, like, of course you're, like, you're actually really not that attractive until you add honey with you, and then, I don't know, just his reactions were pretty interesting. Yeah, it's weird because you really, there's not a lot to to say about him because he is so stoic, but uh, I I guess I just enjoy his one-syllable answers all. And, and his deep voice and everything. I think uh, in the past, you know, their ancestors, Maury's ancestors were actually subservient to Honey's. I remember that being talked about. Like they were, <laughs> um, Honey's were like master too. But then it, I guess it grew out of that. So, One of my favorite bits in the series is uh, when they're talking to uh, Ritsu, uh, uh, Bossa Nova. I'll call him Bossa Nova because yeah. that's the one I liked. Um, and they're, they're describing that, that how... Honey adds to his yeah uh, yeah and Honey's really upset. He's like, he's like, really like Maury Chan, are you ranting me? Oh <laughs> yeah, I, thought, I think he was like legitimately concerned. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, and that's like I think that's the most emotion that you see out of out of Maury Senpai. And then I do have an honorable mention at the end, but our big main character here, Haruhi, who is the natural type as a host. What do you Haruhi have? Fujioka. Yeah. Well, she's a, she's the main character. You just said he. No, I, I, I said I said she. <laughs> I, I hope. No, I, I have no problem telling after the first episode because that's the first. That's the thing. Like because we're talking about this. Yeah. If you, I, I went in completely blind, and the episode sets up as such. The the first episode, you really you are 
I don't say you're led to believe, but you, you go in there just assuming that Haruhi is a man because she's dressed like, you know, in like a sweater and her hair is kind of messed up and has glasses and they kind of play and the host club, you know, initially perceive her as a man. It's not until the very last like a couple of minutes where you see her dressing and like Tamaki runs at her and it's like, Oh snap, she's a girl. Which honestly that that really floored me. That that kinda kept me hooked in the series. Like, oh okay. That's I had no way of no of seeing seeing that coming. Although I've heard people say like, you know, it was obvious, but I didn't think it was obvious. Did you think it was obvious? Um no. Did did, did that surprise you when you first saw it? I think so, yeah. It's been yeah, a while, so that's why I'm like, I think I was surprised, yeah. Yeah, I I, I, I like Haruhi. She's really like, she's normal because she's like the one person who kind of takes things as they are and even comments on how ridiculous these characters are and how silly they are and how kind of corrupt the whole thing is. But she goes along with it for fun. She is, again, like she's the most normal. She's not, they, they, they refer to her as commoner, which is kind of mean. But, um, because she's not as rich as any of them. She, she won on a scholarship. She's trying to. Coffee. She makes instant coffee, which is a. A rare delicacy, I and suppose. I've never had fancy tuna. I was, I was going to mention that too. You're stealing my script. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> oh, that's right. You didn't get a chance to take the tuna, did you? And he turns around with a creepy face. Her background is that she wants to be a lawyer because her late mom was a lawyer. Yeah. Right. And which is funny because, and the funny thing is, is that, like, and I, can only, I only kind of thought about this when I was watching the series, that, like, she, in her daughter's nature, she kind of poses in the host club as a guy. Yeah. Which leads me to believe that the reason why Kyoya knew she was a girl, because he was the first one to figure out, because he probably looked at the, like, the school roster and saw, saw that Haruhi Fujoka was a girl, but never mind. But it's funny that she, kind of, she spends the majority of the series you know, posing as a guy, because her, her father is a cross-dresser yeah. um, who calls himself Ranka. And I, I just imagine that that's completely normal for her, because in the first episode she says, I don't really care if you see me as a guy or a girl. I don't think that people should be judged by which sex people perceive them as, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. That's not really comment upon too much although i think the first couple episodes it is but it kind of leaves it off because she becomes the object of uh tamaki's affections and a couple other characters in the show she's a very likable character uh like i said i I think there are times where she can come off as a bit curt and i don't say rude but uh a lot of times she really just kind of cuts cuts tamaki into the short because they are being so ridiculous and she just has no time for their crap half the time. The point where she yells at them, I love, I love the part where they show up at her house and she says like, get the hell out! And he's like, oh no, she, she cursed at me! Like that's, she, has, she doesn't care how, how she comes off, which is also really admirable about her. And I think that um, in this land full of idiots, uh, the only same person is a very likable character and uh, I find myself liking her a lot. Yeah. And I, and I was really interested in seeing how she turned out in the manga. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's definitely my favorite character out of all of them. Just quickly liked her. Uh, I think because, you know, of her scholastic her scholastic smarts. So because she's not wealthy, I mean, she's got to rely on that. And she is really intelligent. And, you know, she it's so cute to see her in her sailor outfit with her long hair. Like when you flash to both of them, which I think they do in the first episode, like how did this become this? <laughs> um, it, it is such a stark contrast. I, I do like, yeah, that she's down to earth and, and she calls them on their crap. And, and she's also, I feel like she's just almost the audience member that is in inside the screen because certainly we we would agree with, you know, the craziness that is going on. And while she may be curt, I think some of it is unintentional as our little boxes at the bottom tell us, like, you know, being unintentionally uh, 
truthful or whatever she would say or rude or something like that. She's also, I don't know if she's the most popular host, but she, she gets enough. And uh, I, I, think, I think part of the reason is because while she, I think it's natural. I don't know if I would say that she's actually like plain boy. I, I think she's got the, the dress down and, and the haircut and everything. But well, I don't know if she's like, like it's a secret from people, right? Well, yeah, that's true. But I don't know if she's, like, walking around and be like, hey, 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 which is, I think, why it's, like, the natural type because she's just doing whatever. But she'll also, like, comment, like, oh, those are really cute shoes. And I think in that way, like, the girls really like her because she relates to them on that sort of level. So I think that's why why she's a, a good host. But, uh yeah, I do like her wada wada or whatever it is like good grief wada wada. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's so much to say about her that it's hard to you know just talk about her for a short time, but uh, certainly, yeah, she is my my favorite, and she's not without her weaknesses. She's not without her weaknesses, which I'm sure we'll talk about. So my honorable mention character because I mean she's present in probably like sixty percent. Of the episode, she pops up at least once. Renge. <laughs> now, Renge is not a host. But, uh, Donovan, do you want to even attempt to describe who this person is? <laughs> Giant motor. <laughs> so, Renge is your... Uh, she starts off as like this straight-up otaku, which is, you know, an anime... It, it, basically, in, in Japanese terms, like kind of a geek in that, like she's a fangirl of dating simulation games, <laughs> but she kind of uses that to kind of like presuppose the characters in term, terms of a fandom archetype, and she does that throughout the rest of the series. Uh, she has an episode of her own, which kind of introduces her and in, like sort of a mixed up crush on Kilia. But her typical role throughout the series is that like she kind of just provides random exposition. When I say random exposition. She pops out, no matter where they are, she will be on top of this, like, kind of, like, spiral, lazy Susan motorized machine and come out from the ground. <laughs> what am I saying? That's exactly <laughs> it. And, and, and like, she, she, like, very, like, uh, self-satisfactorily delivers information while dressed up in whatever she wants to be dressed up. It doesn't make any sense. This is not a very realistic show. <laughs> um, she kind of just provi- she's kind of like Basil's position in that way. Although she is, she does involve herself in the plot. Like in, in an episode I'm going to talk about, she's it, she kind of gets the plot going, and it's it's odd because like she, again she she, she does, I don't think she ever finds out that Haruhi is a, a girl, but she kind of acts like uh, sort of like an, an informational assistant to the host club, almost like what we, what you would find in a video game. Yeah, <laughs> and, and um. She's a very, very silly, and she probably, I would probably say she, she might be one of the sillier characters in the series. Yeah, you don't really know why, um, she, or how. She, yes, that's probably true, how it pops up everywhere. I mean, they're at the beach, and, well, I don't think it happened then, but it did happen in the water park, I think. She knows things, she's got a microphone she sometimes carries around, she does uh, little advertisement uh, spots. She shouts Moe Moe and gets the crowd going. I don't know why she does not figure out that Haruhi is actually a girl. That's something that I often wonder about. Yeah, she just has this crazy, like, fantasy and, like, obsessive behavior about uh, about these people. She's basically the, the host club's number one fan. Yeah, she really is like like, a, and this is where, like, the show gets to its, its uh, I don't want to say parody, but, like, kind of riffing on 
the idea of a fangirl and how they, in terms of the fandom aspect, how they want things to be, like how she wants, or initially, like, you know, this character should be, like, should match this archetype, and this character, and, like, you know, this this Edo period is cool because they're all dressed up like these samurai, and, oh, aren't they brave, and, you know, eating three cups of rice or whatever, <laughs> and, <laughs> like, yeah. she, she, she really does get into that. Yep. Okay, well, that's it with the characters. I, I want to talk about just sort of the different elements that we uh, we see just with like the arrows and the bananas and some of the symbolism and, and breaking the fourth wall. Well, the, the aspects of the anime, yeah, which makes it yeah. So, anime. like I said, you know, the arrow. I feel like it it pops up in other things too, just where it alerts you your attention that something's about to happen. And I, I think the biggest example is the fact that I mean, it points for. Two minutes, like I said, I don't think that's an exaggeration at all. At the vase, that something is going to happen uh, before it even happens. Bananas, uh, they start off logically being placed there, as in the twins in episode two, uh, right before Harley has her first kiss, are eating bananas. So it makes sense that Tamaki could slip on a peel. But <laughs> but then later on, they will pot like a monkey will come on screen and go, ah! and then the character, <laughs> the character will slip on a banana, and you have no idea where it's come from. I think the the my, one of my favorite is uh, when the Lobelia school is putting on that play, and everyone's running around the stage. A monkey pops up, and they all fall down at the very end. Do you have anything to say about arrows or bananas? Well, uh, with arrows concerned, I think that's just like like legitimately the show being as fourth wall breaking as possible. Because, and I've seen some shows like this, uh, like like uh, Kill Kill. I think invoked this a bit, where like the gigantic texts are so yeah. big that like they attack people or whatever. It's just like just like oh, this point you know kind of like stabs you or whatever, or you know like, like in the first episode, be on the lookout for this because it's obviously going to get this, this show started. So we might as well not be subtle about it. The, I, I don't know what the deal is with the bananas. <laughs> uh, to the point, to the point. Where I remember when I was watching this series, it actually started happening to me, and I, 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 I go to work and like like find banana peels to avoid. And it's just like because the, the point of those is like you know either embarrass them or to force people to kiss other people, I guess. And it's just a very like this like this show almost like has things happen for no reason. I say almost it has things happen for no reason. <laughs> uh, I, I did like the the first Zuko Club episode where like uh, there were like two separate monkeys, and the last one was like it was like a monkey in lipstick to have. Uh, yeah, because it was a girl. Uh, <laughs> I, I I can't explain it. I just I just I can only, I can only recognize it as a thing of the show to be wary of. It was a girl monkey. How can you not explain that? Oh, I can't explain. Like you know, the pres- like like the banana peels must be in certain parts of the show. Otherwise, yeah. the show can't survive. I think it. Well, it's in parts where it's like the best time to to make an awkward moment happen, or like a really tense moment for it to happen. Yeah. What about? Uh, well, I guess you mentioned breaking the fourth wall. This is something that the show does a lot. Where they'll actually you you mentioned Maury. I mean, he stabs the screen. Yeah, he stabs that, and then everyone's like, oh, why are you so upset? And, you know, is it because you weren't focused on enough? And they'll even say, if a new episode starts, like, didn't we do this last episode? So, and, or, you know, we're ending in a couple episodes. Do you think there will be any romance? Uh, I remember that Maury and Honey were talking about that up in a tree randomly. So, yes. What, what do you think about breaking the fourth wall, just bringing the audience in and, Letting everyone know that they know, the characters know they're in a 
in a sitcom. It's not really. Well, yeah, they, they, like like in episode two, uh, I was actually kind of, that that's that's like one of the most memorable parts of the series where Tomiki just straight up says, "Okay, this is clearly a hero anime. <laughs> I'm the main character. Harvey is my love interest, and you twins are the homosexual brothers." And they're like, we, "We're what?" So he draws a line oh, between yes. them. Stay on your side. Then they get upset at that and get well, back. Again, this show is such an open parody of anime fans and anime tropes and anime genres and the things that, that a lot of people like. And it's not something they can, like, I don't say it's making fun of them, but it's just kind of like, like riffing on them. And it's doing it so it's so pointedly and so direct, directly that the fourth wall is basically a punching bag. Yeah. I mean, they, 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 they might as well just say, you know, everyone knows we're cartoon characters. I mean, like, Tom K, like, says in a, in a straight line of dialogue to the characters, Maury, don't be mad just because you've not had an episode yet. <laughs> it's bizarre. Yeah. And, and my last thing is just uh, using metaphors and, I think, symbolism. I remember there being a kite flying around in, in one of the first episodes, and then, like, it fell down. And, I, you know, I think representing other people there's that one hide and seek episode where there were different roses and there was like one white one things like that just to represent different things that's going on i remember in episode two with the the girl sitting in the in the teacup in the dark being very sad and upset so do you think that emphasizes things do you think it did a good job or you just confused like why is there this random kite that's fine no no i I got it because i I think that's a lot more yeah, it's a lot more direct, but it's, like, that's more of an anime thing. Uh-huh. Like when you're when you're basically your, your typical anime thing, like, like the sweat drops, emphasize you know being embarrassed or being yeah. like you know incredulous, mm-hmm. or when people fall down, they're like, oh, I can't believe this. Uh, like in Kill a Kill, there was a point where like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna mention that one now. <laughs> um, where like in episode four, when like they find out that that one girl with the glasses is oh, actually gosh. like a, like uh, tricking them. Spoiler. Uh, <laughs> massive spoilers. Well, okay, yeah, it was a good episode. Ryuko like grows and starts cracking her knuckles in a very like 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 she looks off model, but that's that's on purpose because she's being threatening. Yeah, like the exaggerations carry the point. Uh-huh. So I, I, I like the teacup, like you know, I'll talk about that later. But, but like, <laughs> the, 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 that, that is that is a symbol. That's, that's a symbolic. That's symbolically representing the situation. Yeah. Well. I don't have anything else about the overall. Do you have anything else? I know that the author, Bisco Hattori, I know that she's apparently a recluse, and that's not even her real that's a pseudonym. Um, but, but I know that this, when, this, when this came out, this was very popular. This came out in the mid-2000s with the uh, manga and anime, so I think that's kind of... I, I, don't, I only know of a few recluses like Steve Ditko and such, so I think that's kind of interesting that a very light, light and carefree series... Was created by somebody who hides himself from uh, her fans, so I think that's kind of. A, I'll, I'll mention the manga like when we're done with everything, because so, so I can kind of explain what happens after the series ends. Are you interested in reading it now that you've seen this twice? I am. I, there was a volume at my library. The artwork it, it's not bad, but the artwork is, is really really stylized to the point where I'm not sure if I could, if it can carry me through the story, even knowing you know where it might go. I, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not opposed to it, but. I'm not as readily, because that happens sometimes where, like, some manga, uh, the artwork is a lot more stylized and the anime kind of streams, streamlines it. But I'll, I'll be interested in seeing it. I've, I've read what happens, so I don't need to, but I, I wouldn't mind doing it. Okay. Well, without further ado, we're going to get to our top five shipper choices, starting with our five and moving up to our top one. Now, uh, per usual, there, or I guess... Madwell didn't happen, but with the other two, there'll be some sound clips 
picked from you know moments that I think best represent uh, the episode or, or what we're trying to get at it as why we like it. And of course, in Japanese, I wish I was going to explain that they are in English, but I just <laughs> I don't I like the voices so much more in Japanese. I was listening to Tamaki as I was doing this, and I thought, man, he really sounds like Matthew Broderick. <laughs> I thought, I mean, I like Matthew Broderick, but I just I don't know. I like. I like the way the Japanese do it, and I've really, you know, as I've been watching these, I feel like there's some something natural that these Japanese voice actors have that maybe, like, we English and American don't have yet, and, and just, like, their little sounds, like, uh, you know, just, like, little things like that. Uh, I don't what? know. There's just something about it that is very, I am very taken with as I've been listening to this. Well, I think that, like, that's perfectly, that's a perfectly reasonable Opinion hat because I know that like uh, I have seen some kill a kill in English, but I really do prefer the Japanese because well that's the first one I saw and also mm-hmm. like just like the personalities and like the personality types like I buy Mako as a character a lot more in original Japanese than I do English mm-hmm. and with this a lot of it's a lot of it's like this is pretty much very very faithfully adapted but they're carrying over Japanese sensibilities in an English speaking language and you, you don't I don't think you buy it as much. So the, the best way that a dub can, in my anime watching experience, that a dub can, can work is if the, the work itself isn't as culturally Japanese. Like Dragon Ball Z kind of really isn't. Cowboy Bebop really isn't. So that's why I think those dubs are, or at least people would say Cowboy Bebop is a very successful dub and people argue over DBZ. But uh, I would agree that those two are successful dubs because it doesn't matter if, if which language they're spoken in because the story itself is kind of divorced from the culture, whereas Oran... Is it, it 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 plays on Japanese specific tropes, so it's probably a lot more successful to people like you when it is in its original Japanese. Yeah, and like yeah, and we keep mentioning Kill a Kill, and I will just at least plug that it's coming to Toonami, and uh, by the time this episode releases, at least one one episode would have been out. It's like the twelve thirty a.m. spot on Saturday, so uh, if you're interested in, in checking out this Kill a Kill businesses, then uh, yeah, look at Toonami. Watch with your parents. It's fun. Watch with your parents? That's a joke, people. I don't recommend that. Do Do you remember who goes first? Is it the host or is it the? Um, I think in the past I've gone first, but I would actually, I would honestly actually like you to go first since, uh, in terms of like who saw this first, you saw this before I, I did. did so yeah. I okay. So uh, here we go. <laughs> what a gentleman. Now, uh, honorable mention. I actually had difficulty picking. There were three that I knew right off the bat were going to be in my list. And then as it as the series continued on, I was having some difficulty because I was finding too many that I wanted to put on my list. And so I, I did get, I got it narrowed down, so I'm not going to do anything crazy. But I do want to at least give honorable mention to uh, episode 21, Until the Day It Becomes a Pumpkin. And there are a couple things going on. It's it's a Halloween episode, so there's that. There's just an interesting Hikaru uh, Haruhi moment when they're trapped in a net at one point. And although I Kaoru is thinking that uh, this family that's being built is uh, like the pumpkin, just th- this idea. So another you know metaphor there. I-, I think it goes to the Cinderella idea where the pumpkin obviously it it'll. Or the carriage will turn into back into a pumpkin idea, and he's thinking that the family is going to dissolve at some point, and those fears become realized later on. So there is, I, I think, the Hikaru Haruhi was uh, was an interesting moment, and then also Karu slight jealousy there as well. Was that your only uh, honorable? That's mention? my only honorable mention. Did you have any honorable mentions? 
Or did you want to talk about the until a day be- the the day it becomes a pumpkin? Uh, not right now. Okay. Um, I th- I wanted to I wanted to put an mention, or I was wondering in my when I was you know, going through the episode, I wanted to put the first episode because I really really liked that first episode. But I was like, no, this is shipper spotlight. I have to do shipper spotlight or shipper episodes only, and not just the ones I like because there were ones that I really really liked, but I could not put them on there because yeah. they don't have anything to do with romance. Uh-huh. But I do like that last scene. I love it when Tomaki learns that she, uh, she's like, "Are he your girl?" Well, biologically speaking, yes. <laughs> and then like he, he, he is all like, ah! he freaks out. <laughs> I think that's awesome. And he's like, you were pretty cool, senpai. And he's like, oh, he's all red. I think that's great. Yeah. So I like the first episode a lot, but it's not on here. Yeah. You make me sound like a tyrant, you know. You can't have anything that does not have to do with shipping. No, no, I, I, I work well within boundaries. Okay. So here's my actual number five. Here we go. Episode 16, Operation Haruhi and Hikaru's First Date. Hey, what's up, boss? You've got great timing. Think you can send a cab to get me? I haven't had any luck hailing one. You idiot! I want you to turn around and start looking for Haruhi right now! What kind of jerk would leave a girl out in a thunderstorm like this by herself? Now you listen to me. Haruhi is terrified of thunder! Whenever she hears it, she gets so scared she can't even move. Why don't you spend less time concentrating on your jealousy and worry about someone else for once? What does he mean by that? How the hell was I supposed to know if she never told me? I sure hope there aren't any thunderstorms today. Did you just hear something? Uh, Hey, we should accept his offer. The sooner we can get home, the better. (laughs) There's no way I could have figured that out! You have to tell other people how you feel or they'll never know. And remember, whenever you care a lot for someone, Higuru, it's important you pay attention to any subtle little hints they drop. I don't understand. How can you tell that I'm upset about Kaoru? I just can. Haruhi. for running off and leaving you. And for the things I said about your friend Arai. I'm so sorry. 
Thanks, you got to. I forgive you. So this, there's a chain of events, basically, that I feel like this potentially is the, the climax of it. But it's summer break, and for Haruhi, she's actually working. Uh, at one point, well, the host club, well, Tamaki is freaking out because she's not answering her cell and he doesn't know where she is. So um, Kiyuya obviously knows where she is. Uh, they end up descending upon this uh, bed and breakfast like thing that she's working at. She's upset, obviously. At one point, a childhood friend slash crush, that's an interesting moment as well. I almost picked that other episode. Descends upon her, and Hikaru is really mean and callous towards him, and, and it seems like it's jealousy. So that's a preview. That's like the setup to all this. But uh, Karu basically forces Hikaru to take Haruhi out. Um, originally it was going to be him, but then he f- he feigns being sick, and so Hikaru has to take her out. And so at first he's just very, he's not into it at all. I, you know, I think he's upset. He's also worried about Karu and everything. And it's funny because, or, well, not really funny, but it's nice because Haruhi, I guess, in tunes, is that is that the best? But, I mean, she realizes that the he's, trippers. yeah, she, she knows why he's upset. So you see how just intuitive she is and knowing his feelings. And then the day gets better. And then a storm hits, and Haruhi is actually really, really afraid of of thunder. Hikaru at one point runs off and leaves her, and then she's by herself. And uh, it ends up, so my favorite moment, I think, besides their little shopping spree and Honey pretending to be an old man selling ice cream, which was funny because, (laughs) of course, the host club has to come around and spy on them, and they each take a random part to play which is so bizarre but Maury comes and scoops him up before anyone notices him but my favorite part actually is when Hikaru realizes you know he's upset because she didn't say anything but you know how is he supposed to know but then he flashes back and and sees all these little hints that she dropped and he finds her in a church and uh, he apologizes and he puts his, his headset on her head and so she doesn't have to listen and you know just hugs her and cradles her and I just thought that that was a really beautiful moment where, you know, he's protecting her and he's apologizing because he can sometimes, in fact, uh, be a jerk. And then at the end, you know, uh, I think Kuya was the one who said to Karu, you know, did you ever think about what this might unintentionally have led to? So I think this is almost a springboard to some more shipping with with these two. But that's why this is my number five because it's just the it's the start. It's like the hint of romance between Hikaru and Haruhi, and and I just like that church scene near the end. What do you think about Haruhi's pigtails in this episode? <laughs> so another is this the first time or the second? No, this is the second time I think that the twin maids have assaulted her. I think the first time was at the beach. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, they just basically, uh, I guess Karu told them to get to work and then they did that. And I mean, she looks cute, but that's like, it's not Haruhi because if she is the natural type, which I think she is, I mean, I think she'd be completely fine with just having her short hair. And yeah, being in a a dress because she's worn that before, but why... Why is there a need to dress her up? Because then I think you really are making it a date if you've gone to that length, whereas it could have been a casual outing without uh, the the excess hair. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a fan of pigtails on girls. I actually really like girls Good with short hair. So. 
<laughs> oh yes but uh so like i was uh, as a fan of short-haired girls i was quite disappointed but um if, i was actually wondering like because i'm looking at that screenshot now like i don't know if her hair was long enough to make those pigtails i think they probably gave her extensions because it okay. definitely is not okay okay so your number five was operation haruhi and hikaru's first date yes. exclamation point all right my number five Episode 21, Until the Day Becomes a Pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now you can give more of an elaborate setup than I did. I suppose I can. Ow. This was supposed to be a tournament, not a hunt. Oh, Kaoru! Where is he? Ow, I've got to find Kaoru! Cut it out! Stop thrashing around like an idiot! I can get us out of this with my sewing scissors. Wow, even you have a feminine side. Impressive. And just what is that supposed to mean? You've got a smart mouth. What do you mean, I've got a smart mouth? Kaoru has one too, you know. Dream on. Not when he's all by himself, he doesn't. Unlike you. When you're alone, you only get worse, believe me. Oh, yeah? Now, hold still for a second. What are you doing? Grow up. This is the only way I can reach where I need to cut. I know it's awkward, but it'll only take a minute. No, it's all right. Take your time. I can't allow this! Patience, Tamaki. The payoff is yet to come. What is number five? Because like, like, it's, it's not a romantic-y episode, but yeah. I think the romance moments that are in there are notable. Yeah. Because... Well, well, like, like kind of going from like least to best, uh, or least to most important. I'm checking these characters' names, right? Uh, the class representative yep. Kazukio Soga is a fraidy cat, and the idea, like Ringo Renge, kind of conjures up this idea of the, you know this sort of like scaring contest, mm, yeah. and whoever loses will you know be uh, lambasted in the newspaper as like a big f- captain of all the cowards. Spoilers, they all are. Um, but so he's afraid of cat. He's afraid of the dog. He's afraid, he's afraid of a lot of things. But he's doing it because the vice president or vice uh, representative, I guess the other representative, Momoka Kurakano, uh, she kind of like, I guess she kind of likes the idea of the whole scaring people thing. Mm-hmm. So he does it for her. And so, um, which the twins initially, <laughs> the Hachichin twins, like, first find out that he's afraid and they're going to just completely go you know, hog wild on him. But they realize that, like, he's doing it for loves. So, oh, he's too pure. We can't yeah. mess with him. So, they get split up. Uh, it's the twins, Hikaru and Karu, uh, Haruhi and Soga. And they get separated because uh, the host club are all dressing up and trying to scare them. One of my favorite parts is uh, when um, you have Mori, it's like, oh, I'm a Frankenstein. Yeah, that's his Frankenstein makeup. Yep. Then you have Honey, <laughs> like, you know, I'm a wolfman! He's a, just a, a gigantic pumpkin head. I know. And then the, and like, the sign says, got it wrong. And it still scares the guy. I know. <laughs> that was one of my favorite moments of the series. Oh, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> but at one point, um, like you say, uh, Hikaru and uh, Haruhi, and this takes place after the dating episode. Yes. Yep. They're trapped in a net, and she's like, oh, okay, I, have a, I, I just happen to have a sewing kit with me, <laughs> so let me cut it off. And like, she kind of like is uh, straddling over him. He's like, uh... And she's like, oh, grow up. But like that happens. But also... Karu kind of like sees Hikaru and um, Haruhi walk off at the end of the episode and says, one day Hikaru will realize that he wants to, you know, take this, their relationship to the next level. And when that happens, I don't know what I'll do. Because there's this big concern with Karu, you know, about uh, how he feels about uh, Haruhi, how, how Hikaru feels about Haruhi, and, and how that will affect the host club and their 
brothers, you know, than their relationship as brothers. Yeah. So I think that was a very interesting moment in a very kind of like goofy episode. Yeah. And she and and uh, Higuru does run after the net is cut. He does abandon Haruhi and runs to her brother and or his brother. And Karu does say, "Well, that's one thing. You know, you ran to see me and left her behind." But uh, yeah, I, I think they're just so tight that uh, it'd be difficult for one of them to leave the other. I how much that this series dealt with those two characters separately. Like, I, I remember them being like, you know, like, like, like the incesty couple who yeah. kind of like caused mischief. But I forgot that a lot of the episodes are really dedicated to showing out what makes them tick. Yeah. So much. I think, yeah, I think they get more character spotlights than the other characters do. <laughs> well, yeah. Besides my favorite there. Yes. Oh, well, it turns out well for the vice president. Uh, because- oh, yeah. She, uh, yeah. she uh, says that was... A th- she found out that he was scared, yeah. but uh, it was really brave for him to put himself ahead of, or put others ahead of himself. So that's what I think. This this show tends it's kind of like Hey Arnold in that like the host <laughs> club tends to bring people together. Yeah, it's their problems, and yep. that's an instance of that happening. Exactly, and I like two things that are both creepy and funny at the same time. Is that when? Oh, actually, I guess three things. When the vice president or the president is making eyes because he's saying, "If anyone objects." anyone and he's like looking directly at Harley and she has no idea and then confronts her about it later and he's telling his secret that he's deathly scared and then he says you know don't tell Hikaru and Karu and there they are they just pop up and they're sitting right I love the faces so much <laughs> like, 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 like with, the, with the glowing eyes yes, <laughs> like, oh. and then they cry <laughs> and yeah whenever they cry about something and say this is so beautiful Hari always goes that gets you crying because it's something like so idiotic. And then the last funny thing is that the president gets frightened at least twice and frightened so badly that like his spirit is floating up and Haruhi grabs it and like throws it back down into his body. That's an anime thing. I've seen that, I've seen that in other shows. Yeah. I, I, I enjoy it. Yeah, that's a good pick. Oh, apparently not for you, but thank you. It was my, it was, it was an honorable mention. Of <laughs> my list. Don't criticize me. Your list of betrayal. Oh my as goodness. Always. Number four for me. <laughs> I don't know where this is going. <laughs> no. Number, yeah, Renge. Number 20, episode 23, Tamaki's Unwedding Depression. This was actually tough for me. Hey, look, he's waking up. I need to sort this out. Sort what out exactly? If supposing I'm not my Haruhi's daddy after all. We don't have to suppose it, boss. Then how can it be that I find her so utterly adorable? Uh, What are you talking about? When she's with another man, why is it that I become so insanely jealous? I'm not her father. I have no right to be so protective, no right whatsoever. So then, uh, tell me what exactly is with the whole making Haruhi your wife one day thing. I know. Daddies don't typically want to marry their little girls when they're all grown up, do they? What about keeping her from kissing anyone? I only wanted to preserve those precious lips. Preserve, really. That's a very interesting choice of words, sir. You think everything is absolutely perfect just the way it is now. And having this family setting will keep it all from changing, right? Hey, Kaudo? I don't understand. 
say it. Is he really that oblivious? Actually, he's got a point. I mean, you're delusional, yes, any half-wit could see that. But who knew that you were so... Tomichan's completely blind when it comes to himself. So this is where we got the uh, Bossanova, Casanova. Casanoda is his real name, and it's, it's this unattractive guy and he's only unattractive because he has a scowl on his face so he's actually just really scary looking but he actually has a really nice heart he he's got a good he does and he just wants to kick the can with his friends and everything so in the previous episode he was looking to maury because he sees maury as like this scary looking character as well and wants to know how he gets along with the ladies and haruhi ends up striking up a of natural friendship with him and uh, it's funny because there are a couple times he reflects back and he's like gosh this guy is like a chick and then at the very end uh, because she gets some paint splattered on her she's changing he goes in and sees her change and that's when he goes and so in this one he decides to be a guest for Haruhi as a as a host and of course all the girls including Renge are shouting moe moe because it's like it seems like it's homosexual love there, and he's you know he's so brave to be out there and doing it. Don't underestimate the flames of Moe. <laughs> exactly. So on one level, I like the he ends up. I think a running thing with uh, Haruhi is that she, while she may really know the twins well and how they're feeling, when guys are confessing their feelings to her. In 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 not obvious way, kind of she an oblique way. She has no idea what's going on, and I think this was possibly one way. Though I wonder if there are two ways to look at because he's saying something, and you know, I'd like to see you again sometime, and she kind of just turns him down as like a friend. But I don't know if that's intentional or it's just like, oh yeah, you know, like she sees it just as being a host and that's her thing. So there's the Casanova, but I think the really big thing was. Tamaki actually beginning to realize uh, his own romantic feelings towards Haruhi. And yes, it took 23 episodes for him to realize that he's actually not Haruhi's father, even though he keeps calling him daddy. And uh, he says, well, technically I'm not. And then the twins are like, well, there's no technicality about it, boss. And that's when he does his weird, like, go off into space. And, oh, weirdest sequence ever. But then he's actually... I, and all the other members of the host club are watching him, like seeing this realization dawn on him. So that that was probably my favorite moment was him watching Casanova and Haruhi go together. Him getting super upset, then like wondering why is why am I so upset? And Casanova even saying, you know, he's the one who started because he said you're not her father, and then that that shocked him. And uh, so this that's why this is number four for me. You know, the most important thing about this episode. Um, right uh, Cas- Casanova yeah. is voiced by Christopher Sabat. And he is oh, the. Oh, in English? He, yeah, yeah, in the English version. He, in the English dub, he is voiced by Christopher Sabat, and he is the <laughs> ADR director for DBC, as well as the voice of Piccolo and Vegeta Nam- Namcha as well. I'm regretting having you on this year. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you loved Piccolo for as little as <laughs> I do like Piccolo. <laughs> Uh, it's actually, I, I, I recognized it right away when I first heard him. Mm-hmm. He's like one of the, one of the few, like, because uh, again, Funimation, he's like one of the few mainstream voice actors in Funimation that, uh, that shows up here. All right, so I guess it's my turn. Yep. My number four, uh, I kind of picked this on early on. Episode two, The Job of a High School Host.
What's the matter? You look a little dumb. I can't help it. Everyone keeps staring at me for some reason. I'm so embarrassed. They're looking at you because you are lovely. Don't you worry. I promise that I will protect you no matter what. Oh, Senpai, that makes me feel better. Thank you. I mean it. I'm in love, love with you, Tamaki Senpai. <laughs> oh, you. You must be having a great daydream. He's kind of creeping me out. Envious, Higaru? This is all part of my strategy. While you've wasted time blinded by your jealousy, I've foreseen the outcome of this charade. <sighs> this anime is obviously a romantic school comedy. Haruhi and I are the main characters, so that means we are love interests. Yeah, then what are we? You boys are the homosexual supporting cast. So please make sure that you don't step across this line. You've got to be kidding. In this episode, they're kind of reestablishing the fact that Haruhi sure is a girl, you guys. And I guess, like I said, Tamaki gets in the hole like, you know, well, this she's clearly my love interest. Um, as this is going on, there's a girl named Kanako who's called a host hopper because she kind of goes from host to host to host. And I'm trying to get this actually straight. She is basically in this sort of... She's sort of like this sort of estranged engagement with Toru, who is kind of a boring guy. They, uh, the host club devises a plan to get them together by commencing with a dance party and having Haruhi cosplay as a girl to, to <laughs> confess her love. It's really messed up. Cosplay as a boy, cosplaying as a girl. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm in sorry. love, love, love. <laughs> it's actually, I'm in love, love. <laughs> Who really like, would like, write this letter? Ba ba ba. I love that like, with the twins and uh, Kyoya. Yeah. And he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry. I don't feel the same way. I forget why they had to do this." And then um, I think he actually gets stabbed by an arrow. And this is one of those scenes where like uh, Haruhi and Toru are kind of caught in the dark, and then Kanako walks in on them and yeah. starts to cry. It's, it's, it looks all romantic. Um, I kind of like this episode because. This kind of starts off the whole Tamaki liking Haruhi thing by seeing how cute she is. And um, it really kind of starts off and establishes that. And it kind of like ramps it up near the end because we have them bringing together these two characters to, you know, confess their love for each other. And the the best dancer in the, the dance party uh, gives the waltz and they give a kiss on the cheek to one of the host uh, from one of the host club and um while tomic is about to do it i think uh hari is picked to do it so she goes down to kiss kanako on, on the cheek the, i think uh honey says oh is this uh haru chan's first kiss so tomic is like what no so he runs after her and this is the first this is the first appearance of the banana peels right <laughs> yeah <laughs> so banana peel you know uh, assimilates out of nowhere. He steps on it, runs it to uh, Haruhi as she's uh, leaning forward to Kanako, actually pushes her, and she plants a wet one right on Kanako's mouth accidentally. So her first kiss was on the mouth with a woman! <laughs> and Haruhi's like, oh, that was interesting. While Tamaki's like, you know, having multiple heart attacks. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a plot point that appears later. Oh, yes. No, uh, with Robelia. <laughs> I love it. I love this episode, and I think that like it, I, again, like one choose the first one. I didn't want to just go like you know chronological order, but I thought this one's a very solid shipping episode, and it's very very funny. That it is, yeah. And they hit it off, you know, 
being number two, I think they're pretty solid, like starting off on solid ground with a lot of nice little romantic moments. It's very sweet. Yeah. Well, my number three is episode two. (laughs) 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 The Java High School host. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Have I I talked it all out already? (laughs) Some overlap. Well, that's why I didn't say too much. You're the one who wrote this letter? You're totally different from what I imagined. Letter? I'm in love, love! From the first time I saw you, I've been head over heels in love! (laughs) It's like my heart is stuck in a never-ending typhoon! All these feelings of love keep whipping around in my heart like the breaking waves! When the typhoon's rising waters come, I want to rendezvous with you on Noah's Ark! I do, I do! Who wrote such a stupid letter? Excuse me, have we met somewhere before? Ah! Noah, this is the first time I've ever talked to you. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm flattered by your letter, but I'm afraid I don't feel the same way. You see, another girl already has my heart. Oh, well, I didn't know that you had a girlfriend. Unfortunately, she's not my girlfriend. In fact, I think she's completely over me. In all honesty... She'd be happier with someone more self-confident than me. Where exactly are you taking me, Tamaki? You know, you're not the kind of girl who's good at manipulating others. What do you mean by that? I have you figured out, Kaneko. I know you're switching from host to host to get his attention. And I've noticed that you always look the happiest gazing into a teacup. Hey, check these out, Kaneko. So pretty. There's a Wedgwood, a Foley, Worcester. Over here's a Janori and a Mycin. Someday you're going to be my wife, Kaneko. So I'll tell you about all of them, okay? <laughs> it's pointless. It doesn't matter how hard I try. He never notices me. And now he's decided to study abroad without... Without even telling me. That's why I decided I need to change. I want to see the world and hopefully become a better man. I know it's selfish, but I wonder if she'll wait for me. Yeah, you're right. That is pretty selfish of you. (laughs) But maybe she would wait. You'll never know if you don't tell her how you feel. You obviously have strong feelings for her, so why not go ahead and talk to her? I think once you decide to change, then you've already begun your transformation. I think this is perhaps one of the sweetest sidebar romances. So sidebar as in it's not involving one of our main hosts. I, I, I don't know. I just really, I enjoyed all the interactions, especially with Kaneko. I think just getting to know her and seeing, you know, her fascination with these teacups. And yeah, she's the one, you know, yeah, yeah, she's the one in the darkened teacup, of course. And you wonder, you know, what is that about? Like she's sad and depressed. And then the teacup is, I think, representative of of Toru. And uh, it's because he is in line. All these people are heirs uh, of this, like great uh, teacup business and you see a flashback at one point when they're kids and and saying look at you know this is this type and this is this type and when we're married we'll we'll have these all these teacups and everything 
So even though he may be, even though he may be boring, uh, which they actually mention as they're yeah. kind of going, the hosts do anyways, as they're talking about his different characteristics. Uh, I think you know she loves him the way he is, but Taru here doesn't really like himself the way he is and wants to be better for her and so wants to go off and this is where their problems lie because he wants to go study abroad and just be more well-rounded and she's upset because he's going to study abroad but hasn't really told her so this is where it's just like basically main couple problems of not communicating um (laughs) tell me about it yeah but uh i I think just just at the very end where he catches her hand and and tell with those giant uh, drops of tears there you know and and then they dance and everything i just thought you know that is uh i I think it's the sweetest uh side romance that we have throughout the series and yeah tamaki of course uh starting to uh or at least continuing on his is uh his path towards liking Haruhi and, and starting with his visions of her in, in a nice dress and freaking out about the kiss. And I, I think this is also awesome. really where, and the first part, I think you needed to start off early on in the series seeing what type of heart Tamaki has. And, and like I said, I think he is the, the sweetest character and has the best heart. And I think this is one of the reasons. And you see starting off, you know, that the point is for the host club to make girls dreams comes true or or to have them happy and so because Kaneko is unhappy that he goes through hoops and and all sorts of things to to make it right in the end so uh, we also get to know him so that's why this is my number three and this is also like when we see like he's really kind of like like frenetically jealous because like like first she gets a lot of like hosts or she gets a lot of clients for you know the host club like people like a lot of girls come to see her he doesn't know how to feel about that you know when she dances with somebody or or even the prospect of her kissing someone on the cheek he doesn't know how to feel about that when she's in the dress he's like oh she's so pretty well I I think Honey says that but you know like like his heart skips a beat and stuff like that so that kind of like repeats itself throughout the series and this is definitely the start of that so yeah and i like how haruhi you you mentioned that toru gets an arrow through him and it's because haru after he explains his like goals and stuff she basically says well i think that's stupid you need to tell her and then he's like oh so uh, i like how she basically like yeah like i think we said you know she calls them on their crap and like uh maybe you should rethink what you're talking about right now so yep that's my number three <laughs> I'm in love with Oh, it's so annoying. Uh, that, 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 Who would uh, write this? I'm. I want to be swept up in your Noah's Ark. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean? I want to let the waves of love rise. Yeah. I would not. If someone said give me that kind of letter, I would like. Okay. Well, I can't wait to tell my boys about this. Uh, okay. So that was that was actually you, uh, number three. It was. My number three, yeah. episode 23, <laughs> Tamaki's Winning Depression. <laughs> Did this happen to us our first year? Yeah, we, we kept on bumping into each other. I knew, honestly, I knew this was going to happen because I thought the, the shipping episodes were more obvious than Robotech. Actually, I was surprised that we didn't get any from Robotech, but... Uh, That's yes. because we're on different sides on that one. Well, here's... <laughs> Memory forever. Fujioka, um, do you think that we could maybe do this more often? Because I was just thinking since you entertain girls all day long, it might kind of give you a break from all that. You know, if I came around. I mean, if if you want that, that is. Absolutely. 
That way you and I could get more acquainted. Here it comes! <laughs> Fujioka, I... Losing control. Can't hold back. Feelings. I, uh, have something to say. <laughs> I just wanted to tell you... I just wanted to tell you... That I'm... You're excited to have someone you can relate to, aren't you? I know I sure am. A conversation like this is a rare thing for me. We're going to be great friends. Uh-oh. Hung out to dry. Well, here's the thing. Although this episode is, like, you know, nice and sweet, this episode is laugh out loud, but clenchingly hilarious. <laughs> because... Like, like, Renge and her, and her oh gang gosh. of Moi fangirls are just, like, like, there's so many things that are just, like, funny about it. Okay, yeah, it's, it's, but it's all played on the romance, because, for one thing, like, like, uh, uh, Bossa Nova, like, starts to, like, like, like fix what he actually saw it, when he saw, uh, her dressing, she's like, get out! But, like, he, he starts to see himself, like, she, like, is just like, oh, like, you naughty boy, kind of, like, winks at him, that's not what happened. He goes home, and all the mafia, uh, guys are like, you know, what's wrong with him? Oh, I guess that, you know, he's, he's a, he has a crush, but I guess it's with a girl, what? or with a boy, what? There's that, which is funny. Um, I think I should say, he's in love with a dude! There's uh, him riding on his arm. I vow to always keep Haruhi's secret forever. <laughs> I love. Um, I love when he first learns of it, and the host club immediately confront him. Yeah. The twins are like, uh, 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 you know, he, we need to give him amnesia, and they pull it. One of them pulled out a bat immediately. <laughs> That's awesome. I love when when uh, when Haruhi turns uh him down or he says you know like oh i want i i'm looking forward to i want i want you want to spend time with me and friend zones him into like the next universe and like like Renge had these big glasses like you know here it comes and then you cut to her she's like uh-oh i got to dry yeah. and then like all and then the thing is everyone like feels bad for him that they all want to be his friend which is pathetic yeah. <laughs> but it's also good for him because i mean that was his struggle all along is that he didn't have any friends and I don't understand, honestly, how Tamaki had no idea how he really felt about Hari until this point. Because everyone else knew it. He's like, how can I find her cute? And I don't want to be her daddy. It's like, and everyone's, and like, it was like, he really is an idiot, is he? <laughs> uh, sweet. And then at the very end, we mentioned that scene where like, um, Honey and Mori are like, you know, uh, delivering exposition to each other. So Haru-chan and he, or so, oh, yeah. so Tamaki and Chika-chan, like Haru-chan. I wonder how everyone else feels, and then, and then like he, Hari, he says, "I don't belong to anybody." This, this, this is an awesome. This is a favorite of mine, and, and a good shipper episode. Yeah. What do you think about Haru? Do you think she knew Casanova was leading into asking her out, and so she just definitely pushed it aside, or was it just the Haruhi thing, and that she was confusing what he was asking? I think you know. Because she's she's known to be insightful, she can tell between the twins and stuff. But she's honestly, I think this is just a character trait that she's just completely clueless. Yeah, when it comes to romance, when it comes to, like you know, romance of people like liking her, um, I think it's just 
she's just that's a character flaw of her. She's, she's kind of dense. Yeah. Um, but I just really like it's a really hilarious situation that that Haruhi is posing as, as a guy and Bossanota like he once he knows that she's a girl likes her yep. but they play up as like oh this guy likes that likes this member of the host club and they're all like fangirling out like I think in America it would be like you know really kind of like uh like play oh how crazy is this how weird but they're all like 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 cheering in ecstasy like like they're a sports like like Haru he and uh Kasanodar sports scenes or whatever. It's just it's such a crazy thing to see. Yeah. Uh awesome. And just they're all watching. And and how how did all of those fit peep girls fit in there? There usually aren't that many I would say tops there are maybe <laughs> ten girls in the room. And all of a sudden there's a whole crowd. Uh God only knows. Yeah. My number this is actually it got down to some tough stuff. I I, 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 I am expecting you to, to hit up at least one more on my list. <laughs> sure. Number two, actually, it is a personal favorite of mine, but I I just had to I I had to not give it the one, number one spot because of the number one that I gave it. Episode eight, the sun, the sea, and the host club. What were you doing alone with him? Uh, nothing, really. You expect me to believe that nothing was going on? You were alone in his bedroom, and why were the lights out? Don't you lie to me! <laughs> Never mind. You've been through a lot today. I'm sure you're tired. You should get some sleep. <gasps> Senpai? What's wrong, Haruhi? It's nothing. Uh, I just remembered there's some business I have to take care of. Excuse me. What business could you have in a wardrobe? Haruhi, are you afraid of thunder and lightning? Why'd you lock yourself in there? It seems like it'd be scarier locked up like that. I'm all right. I'm used to getting through stuff like this by myself. By yourself? You're always by yourself. All alone in your home. You never call us for help, even though we're so close. I get it. I understand now, Harui. I'm sorry I acted the way I did. You grew up without relying on anyone else. But not anymore. You can come out now. to be afraid. I'll always be here for you, Haruhi. I promise that you'll never be alone again. Mm-hmm. And this basically ties back into the random let's go to this indoor water park episode because afterwards, at the very end of the episode, Haruhi says that I wish we could go to a real beach. Mm-hmm. So they end up going to a beach in Okinawa because – and some of them complain that why couldn't we go somewhere else? But Haruhi does not have a passport, which plays in a couple times. So they go off to the beach. Unfortunately for Haruhi, they also take some host people, I guess for the money's sake, of course. And uh, because of this, she can't really wear – she ends up wearing like trunks and a sweatshirt, which which was sad because I think the this was maybe the first time that the twins' maids 
had attacked her and given her a poofy because yeah they talk about her flat chest (laughs) that frilly that frilly bikini so that like it's not distracting and then you've got like tamaki's mind theater like looking doing that weird like motion with the curling body i don't know i don't know yeah i know it's very bizarre oh so cute oh honey um so a couple things happen one thing that happened is that some rough characters go to this beach, and it's it's basically a private beach because they get kicked off, and they harass. No, beach. Yeah. Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> None of these have glowing purple nipples. Um, so they att- they're kind of harassing these girls, and Haruhi, who's collecting crab, which is another like plot point um she actually goes and helps them but then she's like shoved off the cliff somehow and uh tamaki ends up jumping after her and helping her out into the it almost reminds me of a twilight <laughs> scene in new moon but anyways helps her out and and you know carries her out of the water in a very nice scene but then gets super upset with her and says like you need to stop being a reckless you are a girl and that could have been super dangerous uh while the twins are beating up these rough characters so that's one scene just where i mean you could bristle because you're a girl so you like feel like you're being insulted that you know i can take care of myself but i think he was in the right just the fact that there were two of them and i i don't with her being so small, I, I think it was a dangerous situation, and it could have ended up a lot worse. And then mm-hmm. the other thing is, this is the first time that the storm happens, and uh, they end up... Is this the episode where they also play the game of what frightens Haruhi? Yeah, it is, because yeah. like, like they like go in the cave and stuff. Yeah, so they want to basically find out kind of what makes her, uh, <laughs> her a girl, what frightens her, and everyone's playing along, and nothing's working, and unintentionally... Tamaki finds out that it's thunder, and uh, he he interrupts uh, an awkward scene between her and and Kuya, which is that creeper scene that I talked about later. But he finds out that she's super afraid of thunder, and he ends up like hugging her. She rushes out she out of a uh, out of a closet. I love when she goes in there. She's at I've got some business to take care of. What is that's a wardrobe closet. Um, but yeah, he holds on to her, and then he helps her. Like I think he puts music on again, and yeah, so it. It's just very sweet. This is perhaps my favorite episode, I think, uh, of the series almost. Uh, just because I love when he, he saves her from the water and like carries her in. And then just that moment at the end, just very tender between the two of them with no you know crazy stuff going on. It's just them interacting and he being caring for her and saying, you know, I'll always be there for you, Haruhi. Big, big one for me. It didn't. It, it was so close to be my number one, but I just had to save my number one for my number one. So that was my number two. This one was one of the episodes I always remembered. Like in the in the time that's passed since I've seen this episode, I, I, since I've seen the series, I've always remembered this one. Yeah. Uh, mainly the middle part. And I, I, I personally love the ending. So that was your number. No, not your number one. Your number my two, number right? Two, yeah. Okie dokie. What was my number two? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was uh, episode 16. Operation Hallowhee and Hickory's first date. <laughs> I'm, I'm just proving you wrong on all of these. You're proving me wrong? Or you're going up on each of the numbers? Right. Because yeah. I, 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 I'm going to be proclaiming their glory more so. so than you. Well, that's because you also love the twins. Um, yes. <laughs> you said they were your favorite character. I wasn't implying anything scandalous. Well, I mean... um. I think that like I I think I found them really really interesting because we got we got some background episodes by this point we know about how why they don't trust people and stuff. Yeah. Wow. 
you guys went to Kyoto for your middle school field trip? How unusual that you stayed in the country. Nah, it's quite normal for us, really. Well, I've always been a fan of Kyoto. I can't tell you how many times I've had to tour the temples with him. What should we do, Hikaru? They're having a good time over there. We could join them. No, I'm not going to. I can't believe the boss is actually hanging out with that jerk. Hikaru, Kaoru, hmm? get over here. This may be our only chance to hear what Haruhi was like in middle school. Sorry, but I'm not interested. Man, how stupid can you guys get? Where's the fun in sitting around talking about somebody's past? I don't see the appeal. Besides, doesn't that guy realize Haruhi doesn't want anything to do with him? She's got plenty of friends, so she doesn't need you around, get it? That's not something for you to decide, Hikaru. I'm not going to tolerate you insulting my friends anymore, you got that? But why? Why should anyone else even matter to you? I thought we were your friends! Are we or aren't we? Hikaru, wait for me! I find the whole Haruhi and Hikaru shipping romance very interesting. Uh -huh. like, I'm, I, I don't know if I would... You know, if I, if I would go for that, but I, I find it really interesting to kind of like watch and think about because they are twins. They are very, very close twins. But Hikaru, who is socially less adept than Karu, has has feelings that he can't exactly uh, express, and so he he's straight up unlikable in this episode. Yeah. I find like he's not he's not really you don't really get behind him at all. You're not really rooting for him. And I, I find it interesting because he's. They're all teenagers, and they're not going to do the perfect thing, which I find, you know, perfect, perfectly sound to do in a, in a show. And I find, I find it interesting because, like, uh, and I'll say this right here, that, like, in the manga, both of the twins have, have crushes on uh, Haruhi, but Karu kind of gives up quickly because he thinks that um, uh, Hikaru could do better by being with Haruhi, and he would rather uh, Hikaru be happy than himself be happy. And I don't know how much of that is played in the anime. Did you ever pick up on that in the anime? That Kara had feelings for her as well. Oh, I I don't except for like when we see her boy boyhood uh, friend and or what boy, <laughs> girl hurt. I don't even know what childhood friend. No, I don't. I don't think so. Yeah, I'm not sure if the anime actually invokes it, but uh, with this one, like it's just like it, it comes awkward when they start berating Arai, her mm -hmm. uh, middle school friend, and uh, she slaps him. I mean, there's, this is kind oh, of a, yeah. a I was this is probably like like. like the most a very straight very realistic episode and how relationships are, are you know aside from like the, the host club going in disguise and stuff like it's 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 very down to earth like the, when he ditches her he, this guy's 16 years old when he ditches her on a date when she meets a childhood friend like how pathetic can you be i just uh, you know i mean i mean yeah tom tomaki is thirsty and everything like that but he's, he's not he's at least chivalrous whereas hikaru like he goes off and listens to music and I can't imagine anybody with any sense doing that. I was like, oh my god, this guy has is completely clueless. So when Tamaki yells at him, like, you know, saying, what is the matter with you? Like, like why, you know, wor worry about yourself, someone else besides yourself. You gay-baiting tool. So, oh um, like, when he searches for her and finds her in the church and puts some music over her ears, that's a very nice scene. But if, if he still feels like he's, like, being... There's, 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 there's still like reticence in how he's trying to express himself. Like, like when he kind of pulls her close, he's not even looking at her. He kind of like looks ahead, 
and I find that very interesting and, and almost believable as a, for a realistic person to do. And then there's the, there's the end scene where Karu and Kyoya are talking, and like Karu is thinking, like you know, when you know when Hikaru figures this out, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, which kind of does in episode twenty one. So I, I find that kind of like like, like three person relationship very very interesting, and um, it gets into very interesting places in the manga later on because it kind of like really ramps up to uh, levels of awkwardness. But um, I, I thought this was a very strong, very serious episode. Mm-hmm. I don't, do, you, do you think so? Yeah. And, um, there weren't as I mean, the only laugh out loud moments were basically Honey pretending to be that uh, ice cream man, and then Tamaki <sighs> going into the actual ice cream shop and giving them ice cream while the <laughs> other guy is behind the wondering what's going on. Yeah, exactly. I love that bit. But I just thought that this was really, really... I mean, the twins could have always been comedy relief, I feel. Mm-hmm. Like, they could have always just been, like, you know, these these creepy-looking, like, like you know, nutters. But I feel that, like, giving them this much character development really added to the worth of the show and that, like... I say worth. Like, value of the show and that, like, it's a lot more insightful and has a lot more to offer in terms of character exploration than uh, one might find from the first episode. And I think that, like, this is one of the series' best episodes, I feel. I, I think so. Yeah, and I think the theme running throughout is certainly the the communication theme, because I think before Hikaru left, Karu told him that you know you need to be more open about your like talk about your feelings, or else no one's going to know. And it happened. I mean, Haru he just knows a lot about these twins, which I think is the beautiful thing about that relationship, because she knows that he's. He, he's thinking about Karu and, and you know, he's upset and everything, uh, but he's not saying anything. And then at the same time, Haru, he's not really out there, like, you know, expressly saying, I'm afraid of thunder. It looks like it's going to storm. But she's dropping hints and then he even complains, you know, how would I know without without you saying anything? So I think a, a lot of it is just about communication. All right. And how to get yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, commu- and communication is always key in relationships. Yeah. Uh, so this is it. We are down to our number one. And uh, like I said, it's very hard because that number two is so close to being a number one for me. My number one is... <laughs> yes, this is our <laughs> Oran Fair. Um, oh! Yes, so basically the series ender is what I ended up. And, and I just feel like even though my previous number was just very beautiful and probably my favorite i think that this one is just the the pinnacle of the shipping between haruhi or the climax i guess i should say of the haruhi tamaki relationship what are you doing haruhi this is dangerous stop the carriage now senpai Please come back to Oron! I mean it! Stop the carriage! All of us would be completely lost without you, senpai! But they... They all said they were put out by the host club. You really are an idiot! What's wrong with you? After all this time we've been together, you still can't tell when we're joking and when we're serious? Everyone loves being in the host club! We really do! I love being part of the host club too.
So episode 25 and 26 are very linked together, and it's I think it's the most that we've spotlighted Tamaki and his family past. And his grandmother ends up bringing this, this Lady Eclair, uh, who... another heir basically because she can her family can have ties and then basically there's going to be a marriage between her and Tamaki and then there'll be ties between her family's company and his family's company and there's a lot on the line for Tamaki because he can potentially he can see his mother again whom he hasn't seen for probably 10 years I should think if not more and then he may actually be in line to be heir because right now it's sort of you would think he'd be heir, but his grandmother has a lot to say, so, you know, we don't really know that. So, in the previous episode, Lady Eclair, which I, I do want to talk about this chick because I don't understand her eyeglass fascination, so I do want to talk about that later. She's rich, you see. Yeah, but she's in the shower with the... Yeah, I don't know. What are those exact... Just... Binoculars? Are they? I guess, yeah. They're well, they they like they offer glasses. Yeah. With the with the stick and everything. So in the previous episode, you don't know it, but she has basically told him about the mother situation, and then I mean, basically says, you know, you need to shut the club down. So he says that this club is dismantled after the the Oran Fair, and so in this episode. Uh, they continue with the Oran Fair. Tamaki's not really as he normally is. There's some some sad moments uh, where, I mean, Haruhi is almost reaching out to him in certain aspects. She calls him and things like that, and it's just not working out. So he ends up uh, weaving to go to the airport to fly to uh, to Paris, and all of the host club members get together, and they're going to go after him, and they're going to go after him in a carriage. Oh. And uh, sure. the, the police force show up because they're going to stop them by order of either the grandmother or the lady, Claire. I, I don't remember which one. So uh, Honey and Mori end up uh, – oh, Yoshio Utori has, has ordered them. And uh, yes, so they end up staying behind and dismantling that. So you've got Haruhi and the the twins going out and then at one point – the, the twins are just driving too recklessly, and one of them falls out into a pumpkin patch, which was symbolic, I'm sure. And uh, the other twin gets out to help, and so Haruhi rips off her wig because she, <laughs> she was, as a boy, dressing as – well, she's a girl dressing as a boy, dressing as a girl. So she's like the token girl at the fair, and she races off in this carriage. I don't really know how the carriage has enough horsepower, get it, uh, to catch up with the car, but – she does. Oh, yeah, that makes no sense. I know. <laughs> so just accept that. But she catches up to the car, and then she's crying out to uh, Tamaki and, and saying all this. And in previous episode, a lot of stuff had gone down where, where he believes that this host club has just been this, this onus, this burden on everyone, especially since she, he witnessed a slap from father to Kuya. And uh, so he says, you know aren't you put off by this? And he said, you idiot, don't you realize when we're joking, when we're being serious, we all love it, even me, I really love it. So she's reaching out to him for him to leap across as they're, you know, on this highway. And she ends up getting flung off the bridge, so very reminiscent of episode eight, I would say, that she's falling. 
and I thought uh, she'd been killed doing this. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> and it's basically Fast and the Furious Six, you know. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's flying, like Vin Diesel. It's basically Vin Diesel and Michelle Rodriguez. Um, awesome. So yeah, she's flying, and he goes. Lady Quare tries to stop him, but he says something to her. He weeps off, catches Haruhi, and they they embrace and fall into the water and everything. And then at the end, at the end of the Oran Fair, uh, Haruhi, while the credits are rolling, Haruhi is dancing with all the different members of the host club and then ends up with uh, Tamaki in a very beautiful moment. And then overplaying over that are um, the fathers of Kyuya and Tamaki talking about, you know, their relationship and... Uh, just what what they've been thinking of their sons and the fact that they want Haruhi to marry both of them, right? So Kyuya's father wants her to marry Kyuya and then Tamaki. So so the reason why this is my number one, I just love that scene at the end, not the dancing scene, but where she's chasing after him and she reaches out. And I think for the very first time, she is very open about her feelings because I think – you know, dotted throughout, there may be moments. I mean, she more shows her agitation and and uh, irritation. Yeah, irritation towards Tamaki, but but I think as we get later in the the series, we see that there is some fondness between the two of them. But this is really her putting her feelings out there and reaching out to him and and you know expressing that that she cares for him as well. And so I I just love that and then the the dancing at the end. So this is really when that shipping is fulfilled, which is why I put this as my number 1. Another question. Yep. Do Kilia and uh Tamaki's Tamaki's fathers know she's a girl? Yeah. That's a serious question. They do. I guess they have to. I, have, I think I, they knew right away. It could be, yeah. They're both smart enough. I feel like they've been talked. Uh, Harley has been talked about. I think in their presence, but probably just as like an ambiguous, you know, exchange exchange mm-hmm. person. However, because uh, Tamaki's father is on the board, he would know that she was a girl. That's right. But uh, I think Kuya's father like knew automatic because these people are brighter than Tamaki. Where they they see her right away, and I think they they realize that. Well, that's a good point because, like, like he's the chairman of the school. Yeah. Tomika's father is, so he he probably would know. I should also mention that, like, uh, her debt is paid off by Lady Claire. Yeah. Which, and I was listening to a podcast talking about this. I don't think this is explicitly referenced, but I think that like there's a subplot about uh, the uh, Kilia's father's company going bankrupt, and then it was like bought out or sold or whatever, and by Kilia by the very end. Yep. And I feel that like that could have been the money that uh, was paid to pay off Hari's debt. He uses that to kind of save his father's business. Oh, interesting. Da, da, da. Because I, I was... wondered if that was actually him and his managing the all the income from the host club. Yeah, I thought that too initially, but I heard that theory and I thought that that actually makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> because he bought out a company. <laughs> this uh, isn't my number one, but um, it's interesting because like this is a great episode. And I remember, I remember when I first saw this being really swept up emotionally by like, oh, go get her, man. Um, and like all the, all the it's funny because all the host club characters' emotions are completely naked in the final episode because mm-hmm. like when um, Kyoya is figuring out, is finding out that Tamaki's leaving, he like, he doesn't like, you know, scream or whatever, but he's like, ah, oh, that idiot. Like we gotta, get, we gotta go get him. And like, you know, they're not really playing their characters. They're all being very serious and very uh, assertive. And, um, like you say, Haruhi is a lot more forthcoming with her feelings. Although she doesn't really say much, but like, there's that there's that very <laughs> glossy like scene of them embracing in midair 
as they're torpedoing off of off of a road. Yep. And like they, there's this very romantic shoujo hug that is oh, get you right there uh, as as the sun sets. <laughs> um, but it's a, it's a, I'm, I'm laughing, but it's actually a very very nice scene. And I was really pleased with how the series ended. And this, oh, I wanted to go on, but I was pretty pleased how it ended. I think again, kind of like um, episode sixteen, episode twenty five or twenty six. Those are very these are very serious episodes. Mm-hmm. I think, like, like, like I would say, I don't want to say dark, but like. Like the relationship between Kyoyo and his father and Tamaki and his family yeah. is truly sad and, and realistic and, and messed up. And like how, like, uh, the first time you see Kyoyo's father, he belt, belts him in the face. Yeah. Like, like the, the, the other um, coercion that, they, that uh, Tamaki's own grandmother and this chick use against him is just depressing. Because, like, like you know, these guys, these guys don't deserve this. And, like, they're just getting this because, like, you know, family politics and it's just really really sad so it's, it's good to like you know the, the the goofy host club catch up to him and the kind of just, just, just stay with us and um they achieve that so i i agree this is a i wonder if this is gonna be on my pick but um i think that like it was so plot involved that i kind of i i, I, I think also it was, it was for me in terms of my pick i i thought it might be on your list i, I don't i don't want to be too obvious so I, I, I liked it as an episode, but this is obviously a very shiver heavy episode, so. Yep. Very, very cool. My number one is The Sun, the Sea, and the Host Club. <laughs> <laughs> I like this episode more than you do. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm not surprised by the outcome because, obviously, again, the episodes that are shiver heavy are obvious. Paddington! Boss! Where'd they go? We took their ID cards and respectfully asked them to leave. The girls all went back to the hotel, and I've called a doctor. He should be arriving here any minute now. Thank you. I'm fine, you guys. I don't need a doctor. What were you thinking? You know, you're not like Honey Senpai. You're not a martial arts master. Why did you confront them? What made you think you would stand a chance? You against two boys? But it doesn't matter that they're boys and I'm a girl. I was there. I had to do something. There wasn't any time to think. That's no excuse, you idiot. Don't forget, you're a girl. Look, I'm sorry you had to come and save me, senpai. But I don't understand why you're so mad at me right now. I don't think I did anything wrong. You don't think so? Fine. Whatever you say. But I'm not speaking to you until you can admit that you were wrong. But this is, this is always a favorite of mine when I first saw it. Because um, there's a lot of things going on, like you say, uh, there's fitting her in uh, some sort of makeshift beach outfit that's not a bikini. There's the pivotal scene where she goes to defend these two girls from these two drunks, and which is very horror-y of her, and gets pitched off of a cliff. Where Tomoki, I don't even know this, like he dives headfirst after her. Like he he doesn't even dive; he just kind of just chucks his body right after her and grabs her by the head, very uh, very um, protective like, and then kind of berates her. And I, and I really like the scene where he's kind of like yelling at her. And um, it's interesting because there's this whole like you know I don't care if I'm a girl; I'm going to defend people. But she learns later on that like it's, it's not exactly that; it's just, you know the size and being outnumbered by people yeah. is, is worrying the host club. Mm-hmm. And you know she should be more considerate about that. There's a scene where like um, they're eating the crab. Yeah. <laughs> like, like like she sm- she snaps them off, and like you know kind of sucks them off. Yep. And like you know, and she's oh I don't. Th-. He's like oh is this isn't enough. I thought you weren't speaking to me. And they kind of just try to smack him in the face with it. 
it's uh, it's very interesting imagery. <laughs> Are you saying it's phallic imagery? Yes. Okay. I was I trying am. to get what you were getting at. It's interesting. Why do you think like the snapping bothers him so much? The the, the, the noise kind of frightens him and how much okay. it's just putting into it. I don't think, I don't think the characters actually get it, but I think like the imagery uh, puts across the idea that she's. And this scene a bit of a ball breaker. Uh, we should probably, yeah, we should, we had to talk about that scene with uh, her and Kilia mm. in, in the middle. We really do because I remember you texting me when I first saw this saying, "What did you think about this?" And I had no idea what to think about this because, okay, for those who haven't seen the episode, most of you, like um, she runs, she runs to him shirtless because they're at the beach, and he's telling her, "Oh, you really worry everybody," and she says, "Oh, I don't, you know, I don't, you guys don't need to be worried about me." So he turns the lights off. And and um, he says that he he had to give the girls like this girls from the school flowers to kind of you know make up for the incident. Mm-hmm. And she said, "Oh, I'm sorry, you had to pay for this." Well, if you want to, you can pay me with the flowers with your body. And he throws her in the bed and like gets on top of her. And you know, surely you don't believe that like you know people's gender or sex doesn't really matter. You're completely defenseless against me. And how he immediately says, "Oh, you're not you're not going to go through with this. I know you too well because you're not going to gain anything from it." And she kind of says, but I realize now from, from this example that, you know, because of my um, physicality, uh, you're showing me, you know, how my uh, sex can be used against me. You know, whether I'm a man or a woman, like my body is just, you know, not very, uh, it, it can be used against me. And he kind of walks out of the scene and says, huh, nothing to be gained, huh? And this is a very, very, very dark and ambiguous scene, which I think has turned some people off. And I'm not sure what exactly the meaning is to get from it because Hari kind of figures she thinks she figures it out but I think it's, it's still there's still ambiguity left in there to kind of like ponder us of what he was getting at especially this is when a, he leaves because this is a harem show after all so yeah. the idea that like all of them could be into her is introduced mm-hmm. uh, yeah and again when he leaves this, he kind of like laughs over the idea that he wouldn't be able to gain anything from taking advantage of her and which you know I would, we would like to not think that he would go through with randomly raping a member of the host club. He is again, like you know, one of the colder members of the of the of the group. So it 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 leaves you really really wondering where this guy's headed. I mean, I remember like you know this being in an early episode, kind of my first impression of that character. And throughout the rest of the series, I just had no idea what to make of him. It's just it's it's interesting. I'm not really put off by it. Like there's there's some other scenes and other shows. Like I wasn't crazy about like the rape joke in the first episode of Kill a Kill, but this one is just so vague that I'm not sure kind of what to make of it. But it doesn't turn me off of the episode because there's a scene at the end where um, uh, Tamaki knows that Haruhi is afraid of uh, thunder and lightning, and he very very like you know lovingly says, "I will always be for your heart, be with you, Haruhi." And then you cut to, like, the host club, seeing him put, like, a blindfold over. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there. Now you can't see or hear anything. Yeah. You freaking pervert. <laughs> yeah, because they pop that... in and see him. <laughs> At least now I know what S&M is. I thought, oh, my God, gosh. That was, that was so funny. So this I... was Fifty Shades before Fifty Shades. <laughs> Coming this month. Uh, I, I, I love that NC, honestly. I thought that was, I thought it was one of the funniest yeah. things. Yeah. It's complete. Yeah. It's completely innocent, but like <laughs> they, they dog him out so much. But um, yeah, yeah. I I have to say that even knowing it was coming, still creeped me out. I, the first time I saw it, very shocked with the Kuya scene, and then even this one, I was sort of preparing myself for what was about to happen because it is very uncomfortable, and it, it does really make him seem like he's a creeper. And what's even more uncomfortable is that she is really making no reaction to what's going on i mean he's on top of her 
and you know she's just she's very confident that she, he's like, yeah, yeah and very calm and everything and yeah and him walking away at you realize that there's probably something there uh, and he is called the shadow king of course yes so um because it's he's always it, it seems like he could potentially really be the person in charge of the reminds me of Yu-Gi-Oh, but we'll, we'll not say about that oh my heavens <laughs> um that was also mentioned in my class today yeah i uh yeah i don't I, apparently i'm teaching like a bunch of donovans in my latin class who knew bunch of geeks <laughs> yeah and, and i th- i also flashed to that unintentional like day that kyuyo was brought to the the commoner mall and then he ends up spending it with with haruhi and everything and i mean he just doesn't really show his emotions or feelings towards her and i think that's why it's very weird because he is the cool type and very stoic. I think he's similar to Mori in that way. And to have him do this just seems very wild. So, yeah. It, it did, I mean, it brought down the character a little bit, obviously, because it is in the early episodes, like you said. So, you're still getting a picture of who he is. And then this happens. But then you kind of move on. But it's always it's always in the back of my mind, like the rest of the, the series, as I'm watching. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, I can I say that, like, uh, I think... From what I've read about in the manga, it, it doesn't really go anywhere. And the idea that he might like Haruhi or is attracted to her is this, it's, it's an idea that reference, but whether he kind of lets Tamaki ha- Tamaki have her or he's not interested isn't really answered. It's, it's, it's continuously left ambiguous for the rest of the series. Yeah, it's very odd. Um, one, one last thing I want to mention is uh, I like I like when uh, he's uh, they explain oh where did everyone go oh you know we we kind of asked the boys to leave then later on we find out that like the Hitachi twins beat the crap out of them yep <laughs> that was awesome it's very like you know cartoony where like they're all crying and they have these evil faces on us as they're just stomping the crap out of them I thought that was awesome yep well, so, that's yeah, our, yeah. I'm a bigger fan of this than you obviously wait excuse me. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Oh, you mean a bigger fan of that particular episode? <laughs> well, I said it's my favorite episode. I just decided that for my number one ship episode, I was going to go with the final one. My favorite episode is a tie between the the first Zuka Club and oh my heavens, and the one where they first see uh, uh, Haruhi's father. Oh yes, yeah. I really love that scene where. It's like narrated by Mori and Hunter Pie. Like, oh, a compromising position with the unknown boy. And then like, he just, like, kinda, like the other friend kind of stops. And he just runs over, belts him in the, in the wall, and, oh like, kind of acts that nothing's happening. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought that was hilarious. The, the father does not like Tamaki. Really at all, I don't think. First impression. What'd you say? He made a bad first impression. It is, but I think even when Tamaki tries to ingratiate him with with him in further episodes, the father's not really taking it as well either. Which is a shame. I think it's just he realizes that he likes... I think he knows that Tamaki likes Haruhi, and so he's just being protective over his daughter. What? Yeah, can we talk about the Zuka Club before we end this? Because I think oh, yes. we really cannot neglect these wonderful ladies, uh, even though we didn't pick any of these uh, as a shipper. I did consider for a brief moment, but it just didn't make it. I was tempted. I was sorely tempted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, who are these? Lobelia. Yeah. Uh, so the Zuka Club are the arch enemies of the host club. <laughs> in that, they are from an all girls academy called the Lobelia Girls Academy, yep. and they are 
I mean, like, you know, for lack of a better term, they're kind of feminazis in that they, they are celebrating the female sex to the point where they find like, the male sex completely irrelevant. They involve themselves in musical plays, which earn them lots of fans. And they, they find Haruhi, instantly check her as a girl, and try to steal her away from the host club, and find all the host club are idiots. And they provide goo gobs of comedy. I love them. <laughs> Unfortunately, I, I ran out of time. I actually wasn't able to see the episode where they dressed up as Big Squid. But um, I love the first episode still. Yeah, just that they try to rescue her. And the the main girl knows, the leader of this pack here, knows that Haruhi is is a girl right off the bat and calls her, you know, a fair maiden and tries to get her rescued and everything. And it's basically, I mean, the Zuko Club is basically just the, the female version of the host club because they have all their fans, but it's just a lot of, like, lesbian tone, undertones, basically. Well, if, if I say that, like, you know, they involve themselves in anything, including gal and gal relationships, and they, the host club's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> we can do that, too. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Uh, like, 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 one of them, like, they did a whole, like, you know, montage where, like, the second year, the, the tallest one, the leader, is in a uh, mustache and stuff. It kind of looks like Tony Stark. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's just so funny how extreme they are. And the fact that, like, they later on kid, kidnap Haruhi yep. makes me laugh. At her house. <laughs> yeah, and then, I mean, the main girl wants to get back at... I mean, she wants to give Haruhi's first kiss. Then she realizes it has already happened. Of course, the father is there when he hears that. And they have to... It, 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 then it also turns into, like, a James Bond episode because the host club decides to become a member of the fam club in order to get in close. It's all the spy stuff. It's just so outlandish. I think probably some of the mo- most outlandish stuff happens whenever the Zuka Club is there. So awesome. I, 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 wish, I wish there was more of them. I know that they uh, appeared near the end of the manga as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I wanted to get into that. Do you, were, you, were you ever interested in seeing how, what happens, or do you want to leave this a surprise for yourself? I would, uh, yeah, you can talk about it. I, I haven't, for listeners, I haven't read uh, the manga, but I've actually read Zero manga or manga. Oh, really? Yes, Zero. It makes me nervous because of the reading business, and I think that it's just going to, like, I'm going to get confused. Because I know it's, like, super backwards. You start at the back, and I think it's, you're right to left, isn't it? I mean, I get you told me that you get used to it right away, but I, I guess I just haven't I haven't done it in my weird Westerner ways. I've I've gotten so used to left to right, but I have because I like this so much. I would really like to see how it is, um, how the adaptation holds up to the original. And I do know that the the manga goes beyond beyond what we see in in episode twenty six. So yeah, what what did you? I know you did some research on this. Well, it ended in twenty ten. Um, I don't know why it's like. Because this was popular, and I'm wondering, because like some shows just have different series covering the same stuff, like Dragon Ball. Uh, hey, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why they didn't continue on with this because because it, it, uh, it wasn't the manga was still going when this was going on. So it's bizarre. I'm, I, I'm bringing up my notes. In the manga, both the twins are explicitly in love with Haruhi, as well as Tamaki. I think the only ones who don't even show any interest are Mori and Honey. Uh, speaking of which, Mori and Honey are the oldest members of the host club. They graduate and they, they end up leaving, which is a big like you know point of contention for the club. Oh, we don't want the guys to go, but they, they promise to visit and they show up at the very end. There is a character called Megumi Kanoya 
who was a love interest of Tamaki's because she looked just like oh. Haruhi, was was a, was a lot more like submissive oh. and feminine. So there was a, kind of a uh, struggle with that. Tamaki's grandmother disbands the fo- the host club officially. She actually takes that power because she does not like Haruhi for being a commoner and does not like the implication that Tamaki might uh, have feelings for her. And the romance, from what I've read, at least which is the last, like, like four or three volumes, it gets really, really, like, like, like soap opera-ish and romantic because like, it's, it, it, it comes a lot about Hikaru and Tamaki's feelings with Haruhi. And Haruhi's, like, how, like, once she's made aware of these, how does she react to that? How does she feel about that? And which one does she like? And who... Does, who's, uh, which one does she go on a date with near the end and the Zuka Club kidnaps her from there? <laughs> it, it, becomes, it becomes a lot more romantic-centric uh, than this one comes with a harem hijinks. Like, it becomes a lot about the relationships and the feelings. And um, eventually, I'm not going to say like, who uh, she ends up with, but eventually she gets a scholarship to study abroad in America. There's contention, oh, she's leaving the one that she loves, but you know, I, I I'm not I'm not spoiling things when I say yeah. it's a happy ending. Well, I guess if I it's at my library, I found out recently, so I can. How much of it is, it. is it? Is it like a few? Really, oh, eighteen volumes. So I could certainly oh, okay. take a break from my reading list and uh, start that. Start my manga exploration. You should. It's not. It's it's fine. Like it's, if you know the series, I think that's a great starting point. Like you know, start reading manga and like you know, really reading backwards isn't nearly as hard as one might think. I mean, I, I was doing it when I was a little kid. Well, now so. you've just insulted me. <laughs> not again. Well, any final <laughs> words? I mean, we may have scared listeners off. I actually just want one listener to email me and tell me that he or she has watched the show. I would love for a BTO listener to say, like, oh, yeah, I've watched Uron. But, what, I mean, what would you say to someone to, you know, say, hey, give it a shot? If you were talking to a Donovan in 2012, what would you say to him to convince him to watch it? Besides using the Robotech hanging over his head. <laughs> Stella made me watch this to watch it. No, but honestly, I think that like I am actually a very good spokesperson for the series in that this is just so outside yeah. of my comfort zone, and I truly enjoy it. I mean, I, th- I, I, I wouldn't give this to people who aren't already anime fans because some of it might go over their heads, like mm-hmm. the sensibilities. But if you, I mean, if you, if you can follow along, uh, you know, it's it's generally fun. Give at least a, the first episode is really solid in you know setting up the idea of the first ep- of the series. Give the first episode a shot and see how how that grabs you. It's really fun. Uh, it, it's, it's it's genuinely funny. It's a very it's a very like just like like. Uh, entertaining show and uh, i'm very happy that i i watched i watched it again because i think i like it a lot more i, I like I, def, I definitely liked it when i first watched it but i, I appreciate it a lot more now i'm not sure if that's because of the dub or not one, one final thing i want to mention about the dub is that like uh the voice actress for haruhi uh was someone named caitlin glass who is also the uh, voice director for the dub of oran and she was actually like a huge fan of it a huge fan of the manga and was like really really excited like 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 geeked out that she got to uh be the main character for this and she would make like she would help make decisions like um casting who for who apparently funimation wanted one voice to cast the twins in the dub but she lobbied for two of them because mm-hmm. they're separate personalities and um she sounds it sounds like 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 this because i do like the dub i think it's like this was a uh, in good hands when it was just decided to make this in an english version so i, don't, I would recommend the dub as well as the yeah and so. as you've heard from me i i don't like the dub 
Oh, happen. well, I'm just saying, as you you know, so it, 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 I think it just depends upon what people are used to. I mean, if you've only been watching English dubs of, of animes, then I think certainly keep with that. And if you're more of a purist or you enjoy the Japanese more, then, then stick with that. And, and I think that they do a wonderful job. I, yeah, I would recommend it just for anyone who enjoys shipping. I mean, this show is like the epitome of shipping. Every it's that's what it's surrounding. I it's mean the one, entire yeah. thing. So we could have had we could have just spent you know three hours organizing our list from twenty six down to one because everything has shipping involved in it. So if you're interested in that and just the craziness that uh, which I've seen some really wacky animes where like things are turned into hamburgers or something like that and um so i mean at least there's some sort of sense to what's going on but just the outlandishness and and the emotions that tamaki goes through and like i said exploding into planets and things like that and and they're fun and they're likable characters i mean you may be turned off briefly i think with some of the the oddball stuff that the the twins get into and then maybe the father like shocks you a little bit but I, I think it's just a good time. Or maybe you're turned oh, on. Yes, or turned on. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. Absolutely. So I definitely recommend it. Well, Donovan, thanks again. Four years. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for taking a chance and watching this show. I've known Stella. I almost said your last <laughs> name. I've known Stella for yeah, over four you. years. And we're still, we've, we've grown even closer in our friendship as evidenced by the episodes mm-hmm. we're doing based on romances. <laughs> yeah. There's no better comfort or bringing people closer together than talking about romance and yelling at each other about their lists and things like that. Yeah, I just want to say, if you know, if you have a significant other, take him or her, uh, sit them down on a, on, a, on a bench in the park and listen to these episodes, our oh, Shepherd yeah. Spotlight episodes. And if you're single, uh, listen to them anyway because it will make you, you know, you have two loving voices in both yes. of your ears to make you yeah. feel better. Watch Dragon Ball Z and Kill a Kill. And uh, have a very nice Valentine's Day. Yes. Uh, the only thing I'll say about Kill <laughs> is that it's it awesome. is it is amazing. I really love it. I find myself thinking about it at random times, like during it, and I, I, not every day because that'd be an exaggeration. But like at least once or twice a week, I will think about it honestly. And um, sweet. It's coming on Toonami, like I said. The only thing that I would caution people about, which I, I feel like Donovan will back me up here, is that, I mean, the costumes get a little risque. And just like the way they animate and like certain things. But I don't think that should turn you off because I think there there certainly is a reason for why they are the way they are. But there is But if you do, you know, a Google image search, kill a kill, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. But there is a there is a purpose and it's not... The the series isn't based off of you know focusing on this sort of thing. Yeah, it's, it's not it's not as exploitive as yeah. it, as it may seem. It's it's probably it's it's a, it's a solid solid thirteen and up show. Yes, yes, and there are some sketchy things that happened with the mother, but but it is an amazing it's an amazing <laughs> show, amazing show. So I do recommend it. Hey Donovan, wh- where else are you that people? Then that now is the proper time that you can do this. Where <laughs> right in the middle of the show? Where can we find you? You can find me. And Stella at the Comic Book Film Review Podcast, which is found on CBF Review, spelled R-E-V-U-E, dot Libsyn, dot com. There where we, we both, uh, along with Chris and Josh, cover comic book-based movies, and we've had mm-hmm. some fun doing that. A lot of fun, actually. I'm actually very looking forward too much to the next one. We're talking about Dick Tracy, as well as finding me on the Batman Universe, where I do reviews on, ironically enough, considering the last several mm-hmm. years, Batgirl, uh, which I'm digging. 
and I also head up on the commentaries. The last like five commentaries I've done with, was with Michael Bailey, uh, talking about Superman Batman stories. But my uh, my main bread and butter, my co-created uh, podcast that I've been doing for the last three years with my friend Jesse is uh, Dragon Ball. I said, uh, I said I don't know. Dragon, uh, the next spit dimension. Spit it out, <laughs> man. Have you said it so many times you can't even get it out? I just love it so much. I, I just. I just Shake the next dimension colon a Dragon Ball Z podcast where Jesse and I talk about uh, that we review several episodes at a time once a month sometimes more than once sometimes less than once uh, <laughs> the 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 anime's uh, classic iconic series Dragon Ball Z and we're nearing the end we shall finish we are, we are set if all goes right we are set to finish the final arc and in March maybe April but maybe March and we shall finish the series uh, sometime in June so the show is actually uh, going to end by the, by, the, by, by the end of 2015 so if you like us check us out before we die yeah and if, if you can't get into them talking about TBZ remember that I'm an even bigger expert on that particular show and I can tell you all about those little Z's that are trapped inside the ball and what Uh-oh. sort of sequence to open no. them up you know uh, she's lying don't <laughs> listen to her Donovan is also on a podcast called Gotham Chronicles. When he's not, <laughs> when he's not, I don't even know with women or who knows why he skips episodes sometimes. <laughs> you you maybe saw some sort of like, like a rogue that like like this Roy Foker kind of a guy who just like parties well, randomly. We offer you pineapple salad. You're nowhere to be found. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's I don't even talk about that on my show either. Except I recently had an email where a listener asked uh, what I thought about. Bar- and so I mentioned, hey, if you want to check out that, I would certainly recommend that. So that's it for this uh, February Super Spotlight special. As always, you can write in with questions or comments. Please, I want one person to email me and say, yes, I have watched Uran. I would love for that to happen. So Oracle at gmail.com. can follow the show on Twitter at Oracle. Like it on Facebook, which a lot of people have been liking it. I don't know. It's just been circulating more, I guess. Uh, also like the batmanuniverse.net and if you're interested in writing articles then click on the join tbu which is at the bottom of the front page because dustin's always looking for people uh, to review books so if there's something that you're really digging out there then uh certainly click on that and and add your opinion we're looking for more voices well donovan again such a pleasure to have you on there's no one else that I could possibly think Aww. about asking. And, and I so appreciate I don't think I tell you, but I just appreciate you, you know, putting up with just my shipping whims and, and going along with the, the crazy ideas that I have. <laughs> I like your style, so it's always fun to see yeah. what you're So we'll see. You know, I put out Young Justice. Listeners, don't pencil it or don't pen it yet. That's one idea I was sort of batting around because we do have to get back to DC, the DC universe, I think, but if, before we go back to Kill a Kill. It's like every, every, every year, it's like yeah. anime Batman. And it's anime funny because I, I was thinking periodically, like I said, during this episode, I was thinking about what what uh, episodes of Kill a Kill I would put, and I already know what my number one would be, but I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> See, I was, being, I was being kind of jocular. I'm not sure because the, I, I remember telling you what, yeah. when I was recommending the show, Kill a Kill, watch it. Like, I'm not sure how much shipping there is besides, you know, yeah. some, some, yeah. some vague ones. The, um, well, I guess in case we don't, I think I would, I would put the last episode as my number one. 
mainly because of that ending with Sanketsu and also uh, just because I love that moment between the sisters at the very end on the pile of naked oh, yes. uh, well, I like the end credits with oh, uh, the yeah. three of them. So that's party. probably why I would do that. So shippers, for me, aren't always romantic. They can also be familial, as they've seen with Batman and Robin. Well, it's been a pleasure. Happy Valentine's Day. And until next time. Kiss, kiss, fall in love. Yeah, and fly on, Babs lovers. <laughs> Surely you didn't expect anything less from me. <laughs> no, in fact. Just plain Barbara Gordon masquerading for a lark as she rides into the night on her special Batgirl cycle. Who knows? Is the dynamic duo destined to become the triumphant trio? Only time will tell us more about this dazzling dare doll. Love a happy ending, don't you? I run and run a thousand miles, and I am barely breathing. Only the fuel of a passion heart keeps this body strong and moving forward. But could it be I found a place to rest? How far until I'm Once again to shift 